listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since 1977. Welcome to episode nine of the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. I'm your host, the Samurai, and across the border from me is my good pal, Big Willie. Hello. And we have a special guest in the uh, studio today. Uh, I'll go ahead and let this guest introduce themselves. You want me to introduce myself? Yes, go ahead and introduce yourself. Well, we are gentlemen here at this show. Not on, not on my show. Uh, <laughs> those of you who know my voice, then great. Those of you who don't, fuck you. Uh, oh, there I'm you Bill. go. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm on that show uh, outside the cinema. Yeah. It's a pretty good show. I've heard of it. It's decent. Yeah, it, it is. It uh, vaguely rings a bell, that name. Podcast yeah. Award nominated. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. When, when are those, uh, when is that award going to be announced? Uh, December 6th. Oh, okay. So, and I'm actually going to be away when they announce I'm going to be in Las Vegas. So. Oh, yeah. Let's not talk about the Las Vegas trip. We've talked about that. Before. Oh, the trip that anyway. I'm going to see Oasis on that you're oh, not? Yeah. No. Just saying. Knife nice. in the back. Knife in the back. All right, so episode nine of the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight's Minute with Bill, with Willie. Uh, here we go. I'm going to get some mentionables out of the way. Make sure to check out our website, guys, at uh, ggtmc.lipson.com. we got a new look over there. Everything's looking much better. Uh, thanks to F13 and one Dylan from Paris Cinema. You can access our MySpace Facebook. You can vote for us on Podcast Alley, which I please advise you to do. Vote for us. Uh, you, you don't, have to, get, you don't have to be voting on Podcast Alley for them. You don't have to. You vote for us. <laughs> well... Vote for both and just settle yeah. the, the problem there. <laughs> and I then told also, you, I'm you know, taking the shit in the toilet, and I'm taking it in the toilet quick. <laughs> yeah, you're going to hear the uh, toilet flushing soon, I'm sure. She's a little uh, idiot. Also, leave a review on iTunes if you could, if that's where you get your show. Uh, that's really all the pleasantries out of the way. I just want to go ahead and say also that uh, please join up on the Pop Syndicate forums if you could. Uh, we like get some new people over there. We got quite a few of the regulars over there, and some other people that are starting to pop up a little bit more on our boards, but. We do value any new listeners to come over and uh, share their opinion. Uh, I think the Pop Syndicate boards are pretty good boards. What do you guys think? Bill? Uh, I, you know, I, I love the Pop Syndicate boards. I was posting on them before we had a show, and then we were able to get hooked up over there thanks to Stefan, and then, you know, he took care of you guys, and there's a lot of good people over there. I don't think enough people use them. I mean, there's a lot of listeners out there that don't get involved with anything more than just listening. And that's a shame because there's a lot of really good people that listen listen to us, listen to you guys, listen to Cinema Diabolica. It's a really good group of people, and there's very few you know of the resident assholes that get involved. Everyone respects each other's opinions, and it's a community unlike most of the other you know horror and genre cinema communities that are out there. Yeah, you don't get that elitist feel where it's just a flame war uh, immediately. You know, it's it is a good atmosphere on any of the boards. There seems to be that consistency uh, amongst the boards. Yeah, and if uh, that's not a reason enough to join, also you can go over there and uh, join up, and also go ahead and friend the Pop Syndicate uh, guys over on Facebook because they're giving away 
I don't know, an item a day, I think. I don't know how long this thing's going on, but they're giving away a thing a day. So I still haven't won anything yet. So nobody I know that I'm tight with on the uh, boards has won it's, anything It's yet. funny because it's random drawings, and I saw the random drawing the other day, and actually Stefan won. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I saw that too. <laughs> nice. What did he win? A DVD of Sukiyaki Western Django, I believe. Uh, nice. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm the only one out of the three of us that hasn't seen that, so I'm still excited to see it. So Don't be. You haven't seen Most it yet? <laughs> oh, it was good, man. Uh, that's a, probably a debate for another time, but yeah, uh, I thought it was solid. It, it whatever. I, I, listen, if we start talking about that now, we're going to spend about fifteen or twenty <laughs> minutes, and we're already going to get off course. Well, easy, yeah. we'll easily have another bonus episode then. Yes, yeah, yeah, we can this always have true. another bonus episode. There you go. All right, so I'll go over what today's content's going to be. Today we are going to cover two very diverse and different films, to say the least. Uh, first film up will be 1979's Roller Boogie. With the one and only Linda Blair and her three boobs, if I recall, Bill. Yes, yes, three <laughs> boobs, three. <laughs> I don't know about the three of them, but I know two of them kept me quite uh, entertained for at least an hour and a half. You're never going to let me live that down, huh? No, no, well, no. fuck you there, punk! The way I look at it is, if, if she had three, that'd be all the more to, you know, give me something to do with my other hand, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. Oh, there you go. And and uh, the other one we will be covering is the classic 1986 Cobra, one of the classic action movies from the 80s, with one Sylvester Stallone. So it should be a interesting show, to say the least. I'll make sure of it. <laughs> and that's about all I got for the intros. You guys got anything you'd like to say at the beginning here? Yes, I've got something Other very... than what you already said. I've got something very important. Mr. Bergen, do you have a massive erection? <laughs> well, you are correct, miss, but my name is not Mr. Burgundy. <laughs> that would be the famed North Pole that you were saying right there. That is correct. <laughs> Come on, Willie, show us your whisker biscuits. <laughs> Why didn't Peter North call sound, his That will be a sound clip for us from now on, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but why didn't Peter North call his the North Pole? I mean, he was Peter North. He was Canadian. It would have made sense, but... There ain't no was to it. He still is, and he still is Peter North, and he's still working hard. Oh, yeah, and, and you best <laughs> not touch that hair. Yeah, that's right. Uh, all right, with all that being said, we're going to go to our first break, and we'll try to get back out of the toilet as soon as possible. Oh, uh, not a chance. What's up, kitties? You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, the only show crazy enough to tackle the Brian Bosworth classic Stone Cold. Break, little uh, Trouble Man there from Marvin Gaye, the one, the only. <laughs> trouble Man, <laughs> that's a good stuff there. I'm I'm still really looking forward to seeing it. I haven't seen it yet. We played the trailer a couple weeks ago after you guys uh, covered it, but I'm I'm looking forward to checking that out. I've been on a big it's, black exploitation click lately, so it's such oh, a I great movie, like such a great a trailer, such a great soundtrack, such a great voiceover in the trailer. You're gonna dig it, Bill. I'm psyched, sure, and I yeah. also enjoy the uh, the Stone Cold little uh, plug there that played. Oh, I'll I'll play that promo forever. That, I'll that. never get rid of that promo because that's one of my favorite ones out of yeah. all the shows I've ever heard. It's one of my favorites. 
Yeah, that's really? a great promo. Well, you got a lot of uh, you got a good voiceover on there too. Yeah, it's a pretty good I voice. I don't, know who, I don't know who that dude is. I'm about to hire that guy. Yeah. You know who was in Stone Cold? William uh, Forsythe. Yeah. Uh, yes. And you can hear him on OTC. I'm William Forsythe, and you're listening to Outside the Cinema. Well, I'm sure your knowledge of bullshit is limitless. Why don't we get to the point? What do you got for me? Just wanted to put that out there for everybody. The fastest and, gun in the West. <laughs> Always. <laughs> All right, so we're going to go ahead and break into our first film, which is 1979's Rower Boogie. I'll go ahead and kick it over to Mr. Big Willie and let him synopsize for us. Okay, let's see. Skaters band together to keep their roller disco open, <laughs> and that uh, pretty much summarizes it. Willie, i got a trailer here that I can play oh, do you? to give maybe we'll a little bit mo- we'll little, little more insight. the best skate around. She's the hottest date in town. Together, they're love on wheels in Roller Boogie. Love on Wheels. Rolling your way for Christmas. Love on yeah. Wheels. It's Love on Wheels. I love that. All right, so let's go ahead and get this movie started talking about it. I'll go ahead and kick it over to you, Bill, since you're such a big fan of this movie. Let's get it I, going. Yeah, I really am. Roller Boogie is one of my guiltiest of pleasures. Uh, I'll start this off by saying the term greatest movie of all time is thrown around quite a bit. Normally attached to films like The Godfather or Citizen Kane. <laughs> but I'm going to go out there and make a bold statement. Roller Boogie, not the greatest film of all time, but in a class on its own. Would you argue that it is the best of the skater movies of the late 70s, early 80s, the Xanadu, Roller Boogie, and Skate Town USA? Is Roller Boogie the best of the three? Oh, without a doubt. This film, though, I... In all, in all seriousness, I mean, for what this film is, it's a late, obviously, late 70s film of just over-the-top pop culture references that are just everywhere and anywhere that you could see back in that time period. But it's, it is a lot of fun. I mean, everything about this film just reeks of cashing in on the roller skating craze of the time. Right. Straight down from the soundtrack to the outfits, the... Basic just dance party that takes place yeah. throughout the entire. You, you know movie. what I love about it? What I love about it is at no time hardly does anybody not have roller skates on. It's like it's like they have them on. Like I mean, I know there's scenes where people are walking around and some people are carrying them on the shoulders and stuff. But there is like long periods of time where people have roller skates on at all times for no and for no reason. They get out of their car wearing <laughs> roller skates. Yeah, exactly. You know, walking around that bumper that you have on the front of a roller skate, you know, to to make sure you don't fall on your ass. But go ninja, go ninja, go, go ninja, go ninja, go, go ninja, go ninja, go, 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 go. It's uh, it's really bizarre because I mean, at every point, you know, in that first, uh, I don't know, fifteen twenty minutes of the film, there's not one person that isn't on roller skates. You know, it gets to the point, the height of ridiculousness that 
you see a mother with a newborn in a stroller, and she's on roller skates. Oh, yeah. That was... <laughs> what, you guys don't see that on a regular that. basis? That happens to me all the time. Oh, yeah. That's oh. Not good. <laughs> it's like a naked gun moment almost. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It was just ridiculous. Someone say naked gun? Mr. Poopy Pants? There we go. <laughs> Ironically, that's one of my wife's nicknames for me. Poopy Pants? Nice. Yeah. Maybe she a like, she likes you, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll uh, move on from that. Uh, yeah, everybody has roller skates on, and it, it's really bizarre because not only that, but everybody has to stop doing whatever they're doing and dance for about five seconds, too. It's like every time Bobby and his crew go by somebody, the the dancing is infectious. And I have to agree, it might have been infectious because I caught myself dancing in front of my TV a little bit, especially oh, yeah. some of those moves Bobby was doing. Those were really sweet. Yeah, I had some head bobbing while I was watching it. <laughs> really? Do you really want to go there? A little bit. I said head bobbing. <laughs> Why you got to be like that? All right. Shit, we'll, we'll, Negro. <laughs> we'll drop that one. <laughs> I think uh, somebody, you want to add any more to it, Bill? Uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot more we're going to add, obviously. But I mean, yeah. I mean, them? getting started. I mean, the the opening sequence of this film sets the mood for everything to expect from that point on. Because it opens with this giant choreographed dance scene that is basically, like you said, Bobby and his crew take off and they're skating to their thing. You got the whole crew. You got your boy Phones, who I'm sure we'll talk about more later on. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, out of control Conway, or no, it was complete control Conway. And yes. uh, yeah, that they was just have control. this whole setup of, of everybody dancing and then possibly one of the most random scenes in the entire film, but the part where you're introduced, I forget, I forget the character's name, I didn't write it down, but he's uh, laying on top of the dumpster making out with a chick on, on top of a dumpster as the dance party comes by. And yeah, they all, not only they, that, but he's wearing roller skates, too. They both are. Why As they're up there. would have out. it. <laughs> uh, I've never made out with a girl on top of a dumpster. I'm trying to talk my wife into this now. This looks like some kind of thing maybe we can bring back. You know, my little town here in Kentucky, maybe we can get it going. There's a couple of dumpsters around, so <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be her thing, though. I just can imagine getting on top of a dumpster in the heat is not exactly a pleasant place to make out with a girl. In any way, shape, or form, man. That shit get Definitely that shit not. in the, in the I can imagine a Kentucky summer, you know, mid July, that dumpster is gonna smell sour. Yeah, it's gonna be pretty ripe. Oh, I yeah. can tell you that. Oh, definitely. A lot of Coke cans in there. We drink a lot of Coke down here, so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that that is interesting. The uh that opening I guess goes on for about ten to maybe yeah, about ten minutes I guess. Uh, but he is infectious. Another thing about phones, we're talking about phones. D- does anybody ever see his ears in the movie? Yes, when he's a Harry yes. Krishna, which I'll get to. <laughs> Are you sure you saw yep. his ears? Well, you saw yeah. just the lobes because he had a he had like a hairnet on, a pantyhose or something like that. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. Well, I- I'm presuming that if you you had one of those zoom features on your DVD player, you could zoom in and see more than a lobe. But uh, his yeah, ears I was were... zooming in. I wasn't looking at lobes. Is the problem? <laughs> <laughs> lobes. That's what before she said. we uh, before we get off um, the whole opening thing, the one thing that I found uh, pretty stark to say the least was there's pink opening credits. I've never seen pink opening credits in a film before this. Yeah, pink neon style, you know, kind of the thing at the time. I've seen red neon, I think, in a couple of films. Seems like maybe Streets of Fire might have red neon, but never pink neon. No, I've never seen that. Yeah. No, definitely not. A that lot of great things. Definitely. A lot of great things happen in that opening sequence that kind of set you up for the rest of the film, because you got 
the you got the, the, the obvious making out in the dumpster scene. You've got random obstacle courses just set up everywhere for these guys to skate through. Oh yeah, and then yeah, you that get funny. you get that scene where they all kind of stop and they're like, "Oh, here comes Jumping Jack Flash!" Just random guy, <laughs> like in like a Superman suit, skates up and jumps over like thirteen trash barrels. Oh yeah, he is. <laughs> and the thing was, if you look, he just missed falling right on top of them. Like it was, it was a close call. But yeah, the guys well, were a you- cape. Yeah, well, then you get complete control uh, Conway that comes over and knocks them all over. So yeah, yeah but he only jumped. So he only that's a, there was a, a continuity error there because he only jumped over like four or five. The other guy jumped over like thirteen. And I guess they wouldn't think you would notice that. Yeah, <laughs> well, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Was it? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good point. I don't really have an argument for that or justification. Yeah, there's been a lot of continuity errors in the film. Let me let me go into a little something here. Uh, let me just talk about the women in this film. Not only just Linda Blair and, and, and Bill and I, and I'm assuming, the uh, Willie, you're a pretty big fan of Linda Blair during this period in her life. Oh, yeah. Swing! Swing! Tentpole! She's a babe! Trunk. She's magically babelicious! She tested very high on the strokeability scale. She just most saying. certainly does. She, uh, I'm, I'll just, before you get into it, I'm not only am I a fan, of, a fan of Linda Blair at that time, I'm a fan of 70s women in general. I love the look. I love the clothing they wear. That's my favorite era of women. Yeah, there was some really, really nice clothing in here. A lot of uh, you know people walking around. and le- She wore pantyhose with every outfit she wore, or some kind of stocking with everything she wore. Yeah. Just no pants. Yeah, just no pants. I mean, she would wear like a, you know, like a leotard or something and pantyhose, but she would not wear pants. Very odd choice. Yeah. Well, yeah one thing even- that I actually wrote down while I was watching this movie, when I was taking my notes for it and stuff, because I actually took notes for these unlike on my show, uh, I wrote down and then I quoted, thank God for Linda Blair making poor decisions on her acting career. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is one of those moments where you really, really see Linda Blair's acting ability, or lack thereof, I should say. You really see it shine in this film. Yeah, it, oh, it's yeah. true. Because Bobby outshines her. And Bobby, I looked at his uh, his resume. He's done nothing else since. And, I mean, he's, he's acting circles around her, which is pretty funny because... You know, Blair has done uh, a fair bit. Of, I mean, she'd done at least a, a, hand, a dozen or a handful of films before that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bo- Bobby, uh, he was actually the stunt double for uh, the original actor, and they just yep. went ahead and cast him, so I guess he just went back to stunt double work. Yeah. And, well, I don't even know if he did double work, because originally, I forget exactly who was supposed to play it, but whoever it was was a Canadian actor that was dating Linda Blair at the time, and they broke <laughs> up before the movie shot, and she was like, I don't want him in the film. So yeah. then Bobby slid into the role because they didn't think anyone else fit, and he was already going to be doing half the scenes anyway. Serendipity. Yeah, that guy missed his chance at stardom. But, you know, <laughs> Bobby, it's funny. Did you guys find Bobby looks like a cross between Chris Evans, the Human Torch, and Eric Roberts with a more luxurious <laughs> mane, of course? <laughs> the Eric That's Roberts one I could see. I don't know about the Human Torch one. The thing I couldn't figure out is, was he from New York, or what was that accent? That accent was not Venice Beach. I know that. I couldn't tell what he was saying sometimes. He was having a hard time getting words out every now and then. Definitely. We'll just say he was German. Yes. Yeah, there we go. That would explain the hair. That was, that was a hell of a hair helmet he that was had. A helmet, man, that yeah. thing was awesome. Oh, yeah. My favorite scene with Bobby is the scene at the Venice Beach, uh, you know, the famous Venice Beach uh, workout area. <laughs> and uh, oh, he, gets ups- he gets upset at his friends. He's like, you guys know my routine. Yeah. <laughs> Two hours of practice. And I'm like, wow, he gets really into it, man. All right, maybe you guys can explain this to me. Was roller skating ever an Olympic event? Well, that's what – yeah, it's funny. I wanted to mention that too because he kept saying the Olympics, the Olympics. And I wanted to ask you guys, 
I don't recall them being an Olympic event. I thought maybe he, because of the lack of snow, that he was training to become a figure skater. And he just was, you know, because he's in California, he right. strapped on the roller skates. Because I don't What's recall that? roller skating being an Olympic event. Do yeah. you, Sammy? No, I do not. Uh, don't recall it at all. I mean, I, I don't know what he was. I, I'm, I'm going to assume the same thing because some of the roller skating stuff he was doing looked like stuff I'd seen on ice skating. Not that I watch a lot of ice skating, I but hope not. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I have seen my fair share in my lifetime. And uh, you're a big Brian Poitano fan. Yeah, yeah, big, big on him. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I just like the tight pants. Anyway, uh, and ruffly shirts. Yeah, they got the puffy shirts. They do. Oh, I should have had a sound clip ready to go with that, but I just wasn't wasn't paying attention. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that? there being. I don't remember that being a an event in the Olympics at all. You know, this Bobby kid though, man, he's a he's a fucking flake, man. This guy, he's he's pining after Linda Blair. He's up in the window of his really nice apartment, which we never see. He's just sitting on the outside of it. Some dude goes by, gets a phone call on a payphone. He says, hey, you know, you uh, so-and-so. And he's like, yeah, I can come down and get the phone. She is parked less than fucking 15 yards from this guy, and he can't figure out where the fuck she's at. Oh, I know. And she's got, she's got the most unique car in the history of California. Let's talk yeah. about that car for a moment. <laughs> can we please talk about that car for a minute? Yeah, we yeah. can talk about the car. In the first, the first time you see that, and she comes out and she's talking to, uh, what was the boyfriend's name? Richard? Franklin. Uh, yeah, Richard was Franklin. the, uh, the good Franklin. Franklin. Oh, yeah, Franklin. that's right, Franklin. Franklin. The, the David Charvet, comes... the poor man's David Charvet, as I like to call him. <laughs> that's what he looked like. <laughs> he definitely did. But she comes out, and she's walking to the car, and there's all these nice, like, Mercedes and, like, BMWs and everything. And she pulls out in this Rolls Royce that has got to be, the like, the, it's the strangest-looking Rolls Royce I've ever seen, <laughs> where it looks like a cross between, like, a Model T and, like, a chariot. <laughs> Yeah, me seventies. It's, it's, it's a glitter green color too. Yeah, no roof at all on it. Not even like a convertible. It just doesn't have a roof. Now she's got the awesome phone in it too. The car phone. I think I thought that thing might have had a roto dial on it too. I mean, it was an old school phone <laughs> in that car. That was incredible. I mean, to see a, a car phone in a movie from nineteen seventy nine, that was pretty cool. Amazing. Yeah, well, again, like I say, though, this Bobby guy's like, hey, that's not funny. Where are you at? Do you know, where you at? And he, he turns around and he's like, oh, there you are. Like, well, you fucking dipshit. <laughs> like, How could you miss that car when you walked over there, dude? Come on. Uh, there's like there's like six people in that whole scene, and, uh, you know, he can't notice a green Rolls Royce with, like, you know, Linda Blair sitting in it. It's not even like it was busy. It was like seven in the morning. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was empty. And Bobby's such a, a just... Bobby's so clueless, man. He's you know he, when they first meet and they're making out on the beach and stuff, and I don't know. He 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 manages to muck that up pretty quick. It's like, man, whip out the baloney pony. Don't ask questions. Get to work. Like he was terrible. Yeah, they went for the old cliched making out on the beach scene. I've always had a problem with that. I don't know about you guys. I've been to quite a few beaches in my day and stuff, and I've laid on sand and things. It's not the ideal place to make out with a chick. It might be the ideal place to make out with a chick with hardly any clothes on. No, it's not. You no, just the ideal it's place to make out. <laughs> the ideal place to make out with a chick apparently is on top of a dumpster. Yeah, that is the go. ideal place. There we go. See, that's what they were trying to tell you. See, I knew there was a deeper meaning to this film. <laughs> See, I knew that. Roller boogie uh, saved my love life. Yeah. <laughs> also, I want to mention a couple other things on my notes. The uh, what about the uh, the the boardwalk cop that uh, sergeant whatever his name was. Nice. Sergeant Danner. Sergeant was that guy Danner. like a reject from like a village people, uh, you know, audition or something? What, his tight t-shirt give it away? <laughs> or his short shorts. <laughs> <And> his short shorts. <laughs> well, everyone was wearing short shorts. Let's Good be point. Real. 
the guy, yeah, the scary is thing is yeah, the guy's was... shorts were shorter than the girls' shorts yeah. and tighter. I kept thinking we were going to see a little something, and I was like, oh, God, hope please no. Yeah. <laughs> he did look like a, like a leather bear daddy kind of guy, totally. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he has the worst line in the movie, in my opinion, when he steps on a, a gun. Somehow they managed to work a gun into this film. And uh, he steps on a gun, and he's like, that's not, that's not any new dance I've heard of, or says something like that. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of the gun and where that comes up, there's the whole secondary plot that we haven't even touched on yet of the guys trying to muscle my friend and yours, Jammer Delaney, out of his roller rink to build a new strip mall. Right. It doesn't even hit till 55 minutes into the movie. Is that how long it takes they- to get that one rolling? Oh, yeah. I checked on it because, too because I was like, wow. I'm like, I feel as though... I- because I've, I've seen the film before, and I know the plot was coming, but it had been a while since I've seen it. I'm like, well, wait, where's the, where's the, uh, the as, as, as uh, our main character called it, the two goons and the twerp with the $600 suit. Yeah. <laughs> when, are, when are they going to show up? And then it, I checked when they showed up, 55 minutes into the movie, more than halfway into it before they even start that plot rolling. All that tells me is that Will was so entertained for 55 minutes that he didn't realize that much time had went by. Well, I, me- I meant to say this in the beginning, and I'll say it now. This film, I was entertained. I mean, this film makes Xanadu look like a fucking Peckinpah film. It's... <laughs> I was... He's throwing it down. He's throwing it down the gauntlet there, Bill, because earlier when uh, we were talking, wow. we were saying that, uh, you know, of the three skate films, that this Bill thinks this is the best uh, skate film. Oh, don't get me wrong. Oh, the whole thing always gets back to drugs. It most certainly does. Uh, no, it's it's very entertaining. But I mean, let's face it. It's it's not. You know, you couldn't see John Wayne or uh, Lee Marvin as uh, as the cop or as the uh, roller, the owner of the roller boogie. So I don't know. I think you should take that back. I think I actually could have seen Warren Oates as the owner of the roller boogie as Jammer Delaney. That would have been an interesting uh, role on his resume during Paul the lush scenes. Well, let me let, let's let's wait, wait. Let me talk about that for a second, okay? Jammer gets punked out by what might be the strongest thug in the history of the universe because he bends a screwdriver. Was it? Uh, I thought it was a pen. I was like, wow. No, that's a really I think it was a screwdriver. <laughs> he was working on something. He grabbed the screwdriver and he bent it. <laughs> that's impressive. That is. Uh, then Jammer's all upset, you know. So he locks the door, and the whole time there's this plot device, you know, these kids overhear it and everything else, and. And, you know, phones accidentally records. I'm not really giving a whole lot away with this film. I mean, you don't really, you think you kind of know what you're getting into. And he comes, these guys leave, you know, they all fall down the stairs in a moment of little slapstick comedy or whatever, and they all leave, and they go back up and try to get in there and talk to Jammer. And Jammer pulls out a little thing of, you know, of whiskey, you know, who knows what it is. Maybe it was some Kentucky bourbon. Well, I, I, evidently it was because he takes about three drinks, and this guy's fucking <laughs> sauce to the limit. Oh, yeah. And you could see during the drunk scenes, it, it was kind of an ironic, presumably unintentional thing. Uh, the actor that played him was was actually born and raised in Belfast, Ireland. Nice. And you start to see his Irish <laughs> accent come through during those scenes when he when he's supposed to be all lushed up. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and his well, cheeks he, also get extraordinarily red very quickly. Yes. Yeah, there were moments of creepiness with Jammer. Like, uh, you know, there were moments when he was uh, kissing some of the young girls, and I was like, ooh, what, what's Jammer doing? Maybe I know what Jammer Delaney does in his free time when he's not drinking. <laughs> they don't call him no, Jammer, Uncle Jammer for don't. nothing. <laughs> there you go. They call me Jammer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what was creepier than that was the fact that to try and cheer him up, Bobby essentially dedicates sort of a poignant figure skate routine to Jammer when 
when the club's closing down. <laughs> I actually have that. I have that written down as one of my one of my what the fuck moments from this yeah. film. It was like, well, let me let me find it in my notes here. I actually got a, a, a nice little quote going here. Uh, yes, what is up with Bobby's really fruity dance for Jammer? <laughs> you know, it's you. It's, I'm glad you mentioned the what the fuck moment because I forgot to write it down. But I wanted to say to you, if I had a called in. If I had a, could hop in a DeLorean and go back and leave a list, that moment would have been on uh, my what the fuck list. It's just so, I don't know. It's just bizarre. random. Yeah. Well, you will hear that scene come up again later. Let's just put it that way. Nice. <laughs> I, got some other, I got one other note I want to go over before, uh, you know, I know, Will, I'm sure you got some notes and stuff. Uh, the, uh... Uh, whatchamacallit, the house with the swimming pool. That swimming pool has been used a lot. I remember it in the Cars video for Magic. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with that song or that video. Do you guys remember that? Definitely. Uh, I don't. Yeah. Well, I remember that Rico Kasich was standing on the water, and that pool is signature. I can remember that pool. And I've seen that house and that pool in several other films. I just can't remember any other off the top of my head. But the minute I saw that, I was like, wait a minute. I know this place for some reason. And, of course... Like all 80s comedies, or in this case, a late 70s comedy going into 1980, whenever there's a pool around and there's society people around, at some point, you know people are going to start falling in the fucking pool. It, oh. it goes without saying it's at this point that that's going to happen. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's that was one of the worst choreographed everyone in the pool scenes I've ever seen. Between that and the big uh, spill up at the roller derby, you know, those, <laughs> those two scenes were so terribly choreographed. And which is odd because for the most of the movie, everything was was done pretty well from a choreographical standpoint. But, yeah, just the pool thing was... Yeah. Well, the guy that did the uh, the skating choreography did an unbelievable job. The skating, all the skate dance scenes are, are unbelievable. Oh, they are. Yeah, they're they're are phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah, it's... if you're into that kind of thing, uh, it's really, really good. I mean, uh, I, I can't. I don't even know what to say. I expected to really be bored by that stuff, but some of that stuff was the most entertaining stuff in the movie. It was. Like it was, was the strength of the film, certainly, I think. And it's just... That's the thing I find so odd is all that stuff was so on point, yet... When you got the stuff, well, the pool thing wasn't on roller skates, and that was just really clunky. And then the big spill up at the thing. Those are the only two things that I thought, wow, that was really sloppy. But other than that, God, I mean, to choreograph that many people on roller skates, and that's that's commendable, man. Yeah. The one other thing I got in my notes we have to go over here. Now, we got to go over, and I'm sure, Will, you'll probably cover some of this too, and I'm sure, Bill, you've thought about this a little bit too. The people behind this film is probably the most interesting thing. Now, Erwin Yablons, uh, I think his name's Erwin Yablons or something like that. That's how you pronounce his name. He's the yep. producer of this film. Yep. He produced Hell Night a couple years later. So I know that's a uh, very dear film for me and for uh, and for Bill, obviously. I've been on the show to talk about it. So he so, was sleeping with Linda Blair is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was actually, like I told you before, he was a porn. He was uh, in the porn industry before. And uh, he... he, he basically worked with Blair on a few films, and I don't know what he was doing with Blair, but as we do know, as further Blair got into the 80s, the more kind of uh, out of control her life became. The uh, more uh, the more <laughs> coke that went up her nose and the lower her uh, star yeah. fell. Yeah, she was snorting Mount Hood by the time 1986-87 rolled around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> with Rick James, of all people. I should have put some Rick James on the show. Fuck. That would have been anyway. good, man. Uh, also really, say no, the director nobody, for, none of us none of us did the I'm Rick James bitch I'm surprised I thought one of us would yeah I know <laughs> nobody did it another oh, one I was Ranger. really I was stunned there was a name I saw in the credits and I was just like my jaw almost hit the floor and that was the director of photography that was Dean Cundy yeah, I was going to mention him uh, if you want to start with it I'll just feed off what <laughs> now we've saying. already talked about Cundy before so we're not going to go back and talk about his uh, you know with the things he's done but Cundy is most notably known as you know 
the great cinematographer who shot Halloween, Escape from New York, some of those films, shot Jurassic Park, shot quite a few great films. He's a workings man, uh, photogra- uh, director of photography, obviously, because his name pops up every now and then, and I'm always stunned. And this one has to be the most stunning credit I think he has in his resume, which I didn't even pay attention to. But not only that, for this film, it is actually very well shot. I mean, you cannot argue that this film does not look good. It looks very good. The DV transfer I have, it looks very good. It's excellent. Yeah, the MGM one that's out now looks unbelievable. Yeah. Super I, cheap DVD, and it looks great. Yeah, it. I actually, it was really good luck on my part. Um, we had talked about doing this film, and I managed to see it on uh, what channel? I think it was TCM Underground, and I uh, set it up on the TiVo, and I've been sitting on it uh, for a little while, but that's how I saw it, and it looked really good, and I, I wanted to mention that too because it's a pretty thankless job. Or, I think people—they're going to have to, you know, really stop and think that it's pretty difficult to film something cleanly and competently and with, with any sort of skill, considering everyone's constantly moving. You know, like yeah. on roller skates. You know what I mean? And to make that look good uh, is no small feat. You know, and. and Cundy, being the pro that he is, was able to pull it off really well. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. There's not a lot of um, flashy, flashy stuff, but that's not really Cundy's style anyway. Uh, but, I mean, there were a few good shots. Some of the the overhead stuff uh, with some of the choreographed uh, stuff in the... in the can't remember the name of the, the roller rink. Um, what was it called? It was called, ro- it was called Roller Boogie. No, no, that was the name of the contest. Oh, Jammers, was, I thought, I thought, Jammers I thought, I thought the was or something. Well, let's just call it uh, Jammer's Den of... Uh, how about we just call it Jammer's Hole? Sides. Jammer's <laughs> Hole. <laughs> yeah, well, the stuff filmed there, I mean, it looked really good. Some of the overhead stuff, underhead stuff, this, the the um, skate perspective shots turned out really good. Oh, no, no, they did a really good job. And did you now, notice, Sammy, sorry, did you notice Cundy had a few, uh, he was on screen during the film a few times? Uh, I did not notice that, no. Yeah, yeah the scene with uh, the leather daddy cop at the end. Cundy's oh, yeah? right in the forefront uh, in the crowd of roller skaters um, sort of cheering on as, as uh, the evil capitalist pigs get get picked up. He's uh, he's right there. I'm like, holy shit, that's Dean Cundy without a beard. You know, really weird. <laughs> well, I've never seen him without a beard, so I wouldn't know. I mean, I think I've seen pictures, but I see him hardly ever without a beard, so I wouldn't know uh, what he looks like. That's bizarre. <laughs> I wouldn't that's know bizarre. what he looks like anyway. Yeah. The uh, some of the, some people might be wondering why we're covering the show, why we're covering this film on the show, and it is a genre movie to a degree. Like I say, there was three great skate movies, or three quote quote unquote great skate uh, skate movies in the late seventies, early eighties. But actually, the director Mark Lester, yes, is should be quite known to genre film fans. Uh, yep, some very very good stuff in his resume. You guys want to go over any of that stuff? Uh, did you want to, Bill? You want me to? I guess I can. If you, uh... no. Yeah, go for it, my man. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, we got truck stock women, Bobby Joe and the Outlaw, <laughs> stunts. We got Firestarter, Commando, which we talked about last week with the uh, letdown uh, face-off at the end. Class of 1999. Class. I think he did Class of 1984 at some point in there too, which was yeah, shot in Toronto. Uh, mm-hmm. Firestarter. Um, a lot of stuff. I mean, he's got a showdown lot. in Little Tokyo with uh, Brandon Lee, Lee and uh, yeah. Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, he's done a lot of stuff, yep. and this is a really <laughs> – it's such an interesting choice uh, sprinkled into his resume because a lot of the other stuff was more <laughs> action-oriented, and, and to have a, a roller skate sort of period piece in there is uh, is pretty interesting. Well, it's funny, too, because a lot of the, the people involved in the film, top to bottom, have heavily been influenced in – or not so much influenced, but have been in genre picks. I mean, obviously you have Linda Blair, you know, Hell Knight, Exorcist, and – 
Savage Streets, you name it. I mean, she's been in a lot of John Fix, but right. and there's the Halloween connection. But then also uh, Kimberly Beck, who played Lana, her friend. Did she look familiar to you guys? Uh, I can't. She looked familiar she to, me, to me, but I can't. I, yeah, I couldn't place her. What, what have I seen her in? She played Trish in Friday the Thirteenth, the next, the final chapter, part four. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm picturing it now. So that's just another person that you know came from doing or she actually this was before that obviously but she then moved into doing other horror movies so it was kind of this like film that all these people that did you know much darker and nastier films kind of got involved with it's it's an odd odd scenario it's yeah it's really odd i mean even yablon's you know his stuff was mostly uh he did all the halloween movies he produced all them the education of sonny carson which is a really good black exploitation film yeah it's it's you look at all the the people behind the scenes and yeah they're all sort of genre people and that is mm-hmm. sort of interesting that they all kind of stepped away from the, the sleaze or the darker stuff to hop into this sort of lighthearted uh, roller skating period piece. So, it, yeah, it definitely is relevant once you kind of look beneath the surface. Yeah, it's one of those things where I think uh, everybody got tired of doing the darker stuff and said, hey, let's just go ahead and make a uh, coming-of-age, you know, little happy-go-lucky roller boogie fairy tale. And that's what you get, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bill, I don't know if you had any more notes you wanted to go over before I start blathering um, on. Yeah, I've got a few here. I got French fries in my mouth. I'm sorry. Hey, no worries, man. <laughs> no apologies wa- for French fries. No. Yeah, the wife dropped off McDonald's mid uh, mid show, so I can't. Awesome. I can't. I can't not partake. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, some of the other fun facts that I came across that uh, not necessarily. I mean, they're obviously related to the movie, but things that kind of just add to the the fun of this. I think uh, Cher obviously did the soundtrack. Uh, Hell on Wheels. Yeah. Was the theme song. Apparently, what she used to do was she used to go out and she would rent roller drinks. Roller drinks. Apparently, what she would do is she would go out and rent roller rinks and throw these big disco roller parties. So when this she was approached to do this movie, she was like, "Yeah, no, I want to do it." You know, and then she was so involved in the the quote unquote roller skating scene, if you will. Yeah, it lasted about three that. years. Yeah, if oh, even God. that, which I thought was uh, pretty pretty interesting. Uh, and basically, and the other thing, uh, Jim Bray, as we said, to play Bobby. Only uh, this is the only film he was ever in that he at least you know had a starring role in. But he was a real life skating champion, and I was reading that he received over two hundred and seventy five different trophies for different roller skating competitions. Wow. Which oh, he was you know he was doing a lot of that stuff himself. He actually the only time they I think I read that he had a stunt double was for the scene when they did the jump over the limo. Oh yeah. But other than that, that's all him doing that stuff. Oh, he was good, man. I mean, he was a real pro. You know, it's like he was so good that when when he has a couple buckets in his hand to put on their heads, I'm thinking this must be this is going to get intense because, you know, Bobby don't wear no helmet, you know. So I knew it was <laughs> we were in for something, uh, you know, pretty uh, thrill seeking, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like yeah, it. and yeah. One of the other things I came across too when I was going over some of the production notes I was reading was that the guys that when they were making this, they really wanted this to be the quote Saturday Night Fever of roller skating dramas. They nailed Take it. Take that for what it's worth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. It's, it, it doesn't go to as many dark places as Saturday Night Fever, but it definitely has that plot structure. Oh, totally. Totally does. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you got Bobby, and I, I'd thought that a few times. Uh, you know, it's like he goes into the rink and everyone knows him, and, he, you know, they're high-fiving him and stuff, and he's a bit of a local celebrity and, you know, has aspirations beyond that to turn, you know, uh, to, to parlay that into something bigger. But it's funny to because... The Olympics? Yeah, well, yeah, the Olympics. Um, and if he had qualified for those, well, if he had got his ass in gear, he could have qualified for the 1980 Lake Placid Olympics in New York, 
been witness to the greatest sporting event of all time, and been close enough to see his girlfriend, Teresa, in the same state. I thought about that near the end of the film. I know that's taken it a little bit far, but wasn't she yeah. going to Juilliard, which is in New York? <laughs> yep. Oh. But. Not that I want to I want to throw spoilers out because I know you guys aren't big ones for spoiling movies, but I do want to touch on the ending if we can for a moment. I think that's uh, okay. I don't know. What do you think, Sam? Because I, my, I'm of the thought personally that this is one of those films that I, I don't think talking about the ending is going to ruin anything for anyone personally. Yeah, because I don't think the ending is really as important as the rest of the movie. So I think we can go ahead and talk. Let's go ahead and talk about the ending because I actually uh, I like the ending to this movie a lot. Yeah, it, it's – it, it's not what you expect. You expect this to be your standard, you know, fairy tale drama where you know they do the roller boogie contest. Bobby and Bobby and her and Teresa win, and you know, they go off and live happily ever after. But no, that's not how it ends. She continues to go off to Juilliard, leaves and moves to New York, and leaves Bobby there. And it's kind of, in a weird way, it's like it felt almost kind of tacked on that they decided to go that way with it because the movie just ends with him like walking off. Yeah, yeah, skating I was, off, wasn't he? Yeah, skating off. No, he actually. I be, is he skating off? Yeah, he was skating. He, he was skating off at the end. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if he was, but I was really surprised at the ending as well. I thought it was a little bit of a darker ending uh, than I was. I thought, you know, I was expecting at the end of the whole save the rec, rec center angle that you know you were going to see they won the contest and she jumps into Bobby's arm and you get that freeze frame and then the credits start rolling yep. over the freeze frame. That's what I yep, thought was going right, to happen, yeah. but it didn't, and it was a really surprising choice. To kind of end it, uh, I don't know, I guess a little more negative or darker than uh, the tone of the rest of the film. Yeah, no, it, it was an interesting choice. And uh, again, I know we don't usually talk about endings to films, but this one, I don't really think it matters. And, and I don't know how many people might go out and actually check this thing out after we talk about it. Hopefully a lot of people will because it's it, it's an interesting little piece of filmmaking. Yeah, it's a good yeah. little ride. What's that? Oh, sorry. I said it's a good little ride. Oh, it is a good little ride. I mean, uh, you really get exactly what you would expect from this film. You know, it's it's a fun time, and, you know, it's not any more than that. Yeah. No, that's very true. Uh, All right, we'll go ahead and go over uh, your notes. Okay. I only got a couple left. Actually, we managed to cover a lot of what I had to say. Um, right. There was a wind skater, and, I, and that's another, that was another what-the-fuck moment for me because I'd never seen someone. It's almost like, like a sailboat, uh, but instead of a sailboat, it's just the sail, and someone's being pulled along on roller skates. All right. There was like a wind skater, which I'd never seen in my life. That was pretty random. Um, <laughs> I liked, One of the things I did like about the film that wasn't really in line with sort of the goofiness of the rest of it was I liked the sort of poke at the chemical dependence uh, with the rich. You know, she's yeah. pulling out nine different pills, and I thought that was one of the few, <laughs> not serious moments, but sort of... Uh, I liked that, that little commentary in Definitely. the film, personally. Yeah, the, uh, the commentary is really to do it. The commentary is really good. The problem with that scene is Blair. Yeah, yeah Blair really hurts that scene. Cause you don't hear me at all. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, uh, kudos to Blair for learning how to skate at least somewhat. I mean, there's scenes where it's clearly her in the frame. Um, I don't know if she had much roller skating background before this, but you know she handles herself a lot better than and I certainly would. I'd be like. Uh, what was his name? Crash up Corley or whatever. His <laughs> name Complete control Conway. Yeah, I'd, I'd be closer to him than I would have been to uh, good old Bobby James. But you know that. That's... Well, it's funny too. She, they taught her a lot of the skating, but apparently midway through production, she developed bursitis in her hips and then had to have a stunt double do the rest of the skating. Oh, huh. 
Huh. Mm. Yeah, I can do research when I need to. Certainly. Nice. Certainly. <laughs> um, getting. I don't know if I just mentioned this, talking about the the uh, Saturday Night Fever vibe, but did you guys notice, I'm sure you, you must have, because they were prominently displayed in a few of the scenes, there's a lot of posters in this film of the Brothers Gibb. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, this was their this was their heyday. Yeah, it certainly was. It certainly was. I saw a poster of uh, Tony Monero, too. Yeah, there was one of him. That's right. <laughs> um, I don't know. The, the script was a little clunky at times, but that's not really what the film's about, so I'm not going to, you know, bash it too much for that. Um, I did yeah, I'm really... I'm sure they weren't breaking the bank on screenwriters for this. No, no definitely not. Yeah, I don't, think the, I don't think the screenplay is the weak part. I think it's the, you know, the, the acting, acting that tends to be the weak part. The screenplay is, it, it, it's got some bad lines and stuff, don't get me wrong, but it's... It's it, it's not as bad as you would think. No, it's not terrible. I mean, lines like lines like "Let's get the goons with the fruit." Yeah, <laughs> that or um, it's the skating and the disco music. You know, which preceded <laughs> that's the, the name. Whole... If I ever decide to branch off into another podcast, that's the name of my next podcast. By the way, "Goons with Fruit." <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, other than that, I don't have a whole lot. One thing I really, really, really didn't like Bobby's two uh, white friends, Hoppy and. Um, Gordo? Oh, yeah, one oh, of the Van Patten brothers. I fucking yep. hated them. Hated them. I didn't even know they were brothers in the film. Uh, yeah, that. well, I mean, no, I'm talking about Van Patten in real life, brother. I'm not talking about them actually being I don't think they're brothers in the film, are they? They're not brothers oh, in yeah. real life either. No. I, I think they... Well, I'm just talking about Van Patten himself. I think he's a... He's a Vincent Van Patten's little brother, or big brother. Uh, oh, okay, I'm Something sorry. Like I thought that, you yeah. meant... I'm sorry. I thought you meant in the film. Uh, yeah. yeah. Hoppy. Yeah, I hate those two. He also did it on he did it under an assumed name too. He didn't do it under the Van Patten name. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I can see that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't I don't know. I found them really annoying. I liked Phones, man. He was cool, but oh god, those other two just drove me up the wall, but yeah, Where have I seen Phones before? I can tell you where you've seen Phones before. Uh because I didn't I admittedly didn't recall this, but of course, did a little research. Pretty interesting. Phones was actually in Two films by one of our favorite directors, Sammy Walter Hill. Phones was in Trespass, when <laughs> one of Hill's lesser efforts, and oh, yeah. Streets of Fire. Oh, okay, yeah, that's where I've seen him. Yeah, Trespass. That was Ice T, right? And I think Ice Cube, or was it Bill Paxton and Ice T? It's the firefighters and the treasure, and yeah, I believe was... it was Ice T. Yeah, oh yeah, no, no, it was, it was Ice, Ice T, T, but I don't remember if Ice Cube was also in it. Yeah, for shits and giggles, why don't we say he was? There you go. Well, you know, those two things go good together, so there you go. Ice tea and ice cubes, oh. they certainly do. <laughs> um, that's all I got in terms of notes for the film. I mean, we covered it pretty thoroughly. I don't know if you have anything you want to add, Bill or Sammy. Nah, I got nothing. I mean, we can go ahead and go over our uh, maker breaks and our MVTs. Who wants to go first? Bill? I'll go first. I'm the guest. Go for it, Bill. All right, what am I doing first? My uh, maker break? Yeah, go ahead. Sure. All right, so my, my maker break in this would be a, a kind of a combination of things. In termings, in, in termings, is that even a word? In no, termings, definitely not. All right, it is all right. Now. In terms of what helped this movie succeed was, I think, the multiple dance scenes that kind of bridged everything. I w- wanted to pick one out in particular, and I know you're messing up your whole make or break thing, but it was the dance scenes that kind of pulled pulled this movie through. I think every time some stuff would start to kind of get down, all of a sudden this giant dance routine would break out, and it definitely made everything easier to kind of take in because it was just so over the top and so ridiculous. Right. No, you're not making, uh, you're not breaking or making or breaking anything for us. I mean, that's kind of like what we are with the make or breaks. We, 
Sometimes it can be one scene, but sometimes it can be a whole feel. Same well, way with the MVT. Just last right, week, Sam, you with all up, the, the sort of fighting and the set pieces um, in Heroes of the East, right? You didn't pick just yeah. one. Yeah, so yeah I same, couldn't pick just one. It was impossible. Same thing. Well, that's what I will say then. That, that's, a good, that's a good choice. It is a good choice. What's your uh, MVT? Most valuable thing about the picture overall. <laughs> Linda Blair's boobs. There we go. All three of I them. was waiting to hear that. No, in, in, in all seriousness, <laughs> I need to swallow my chicken nugget. What kind of sauce do you have? Sweet and sour, baby. Nice. <laughs> all right. No, yeah. In all, in all seriousness, uh, Linda Blair. I, I don't know why. I can't explain it, but I've got this thing for Linda Blair. She's not an overly attractive girl. She's not, like, anything special. She can't particularly act very well or barely at all. But she is kind of like the driving force in this film. You are immediately attracted to her character, even though she doesn't necessarily seem like the nicest character to start the start it off. You yeah. know, she kind of pushes Bobby off a little bit and kind of comes off like a bitch. <laughs> but something about her, you feel bad, even though she doesn't necessarily have stuff to be to feel bad for her. She's, you know, rich. She's a musical genius. But she her her driving force through the film is what kept me intrigued with it and her cute little outfits mm-hmm. <laughs> and her third boob yeah there we go i was wondering where that was all uh, right we'll go ahead somewhere underneath the left one what was yeah, that it's beneath the other two. it's somewhere underneath the left one yeah. <laughs> i like chicken nuggets you can get them in a three-pack <laughs> yes <laughs> i don't know what that means <laughs> so how about this she's a little idiot but look at those tits <laughs> there we go that was timely my friend <laughs> Not only timely, but that might uh, put her whole career in perspective in like five words. Yeah, that sums it up. <laughs> you know five it. seconds. <laughs> All right, I'll go ahead and kick it over to Will. Let oh. you go ahead and give us your make or break and MVP. Not so fast. Did you give us your uh, rating out of 10, Bill? Oh, that's right. Uh, B plus. Oh, rating out of 10? Awesome. Yeah. Uh, 17 stars? <laughs> um, Rock on. I'm going to give it three thumbs up and one sideways. Good show. Uh, no, I, if I'm going to rate this out of 10, I have to definitely look at it for what it is. You can't obviously like put it up against films like The Godfather and other films that are you know masterworks. But for what this is, it's definitely a film that it's a good time. You sit down with some friends, you watch this, you make fun of all the all the funny outfits and all the girls. It's just it's fun. I would definitely recommend this to pretty much anybody that wants to just kind of sit back and melt into a, a mindless fun film. As far as a number rating, I'm going to go with an eight and a half. It's full of enjoyment. Everybody, I think, can watch, sit down and get something out of this film. You're not going to necessarily really remember it unless you're really into hokey stuff. Yeah. But it's worth your time. It's worth putting some effort into tracking it down. It's readily available out there. There's no reason why you shouldn't sit down and watch this just because it's a good time. Sounds good. Okay. Um, I guess I'll do mine then, Sammy. My make or break was the first scene at Jammers. Um, that's when I really started to notice how well choreographed everything was. Um, I, you know, I uh, at first it was kind of sensory overload with the whole dancing and the love making on the dumpster and everything. I just I hadn't adjusted yet. So once I I was uh, in Jammers and uh, saw you know how well choreographed everything was, that was uh, that's when I really got impressed and, and paid a little bit more attention. So that was my make or break. Uh, my MVT, I kind of had a difficult one with this. Uh, I was going to say Cundy's choreography, just because, again, not that it's overly flashy or that Cundy is, but 
it's a pretty thankless, tough job to do this competently. Um, and he did pull that off with a few little flashy things in between. But uh, my MVT is the skating in the film. Um, they see the, the, uh, yeah, the skating and just the chore- choreography of the skating. Did I say choreography for Kanye? I meant to say cinematography. Um, yeah. Anyway, the skating choreography for me was uh, was excellent. So that's uh, that's my MVT of the film. I thought, you know, you'd be hard pressed to find anything better in terms of skating. Um, my rating for the film is a little different than Bill's. Um, I am going to give it a 5 out of 10. Uh, that's not to say that I didn't enjoy it. I certainly enjoyed it um, for what it was. But um, it's not something I generally watch, I guess. I mean, don't get me wrong. Oh, blasphemy. You will uh, know. Hey, I, uh, I like a lot of cheesy stuff, man. And I'll admit this on the air. I like Bullshit. I like Wham. Bullshit. No, I do like Wayne. That's a fact. So, yeah, I just five out of ten. It is. Oh, did I derail you? No, never. Oh, did I derail your subpar review of of Roller Boogie? I'm sorry. Oh, let's see. <laughs> Maybe you should have reviewed it higher. Ten out of ten. Bullshit. <laughs> I told you I'm taking this shit into the toilet. Nice. You should have reviewed it. Maybe you should have scored it accordingly to the other two roller films. I don't know if you're familiar. You are with the other two roller films. Yeah, I've seen films. what is it, Skate Town USA? Yeah, I've seen that one. What's the other one? Xanadu. Xanadu. Oh, I've seen all three then. Wow. Well, there you go. Well, maybe you watch this stuff a little bit more than you think. <laughs> well, come on. I was. About, uh, yeah, maybe you're a closet roller roller derby uh, freak. I was eight years old. <laughs> so I think well, you that, get yeah, a pass on Bullshit! That. That's a good point. <laughs> okay, I was 29. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I guess we'll come on over to me. Now, what I loved about... He was the greatest piece of ass I've ever had, and I've had him all over the world. <laughs> what Just I, saying. <laughs> what, I, what I love about this film is I knew the MVTs and the make or breaks would be all kinds of different. I had no doubt that was going to happen, and that's what definitely happened. My make or break scene... Yeah, I kind of took it to a different angle. It is Bobby's solo skate. Uh, if you can get through Bobby's solo skate without smiling or laughing, <laughs> or getting a then you are an amazing movie fan. <laughs> or getting up and leaving. Yeah. There, that's what I did. That's when I refilled my soda. I was like, oh, here comes the uh, the fruity skate. Time to get some my soda. My favorite moments of that. First of all, the song is awesome, which I got to get a hold of that song. Second of all, the uh, the looks into the camera. Oh, man, somebody should have... Well, how come this guy didn't work more? That is the worst acting I've ever seen before in my life. It was so bad. It pierces right right into your soul. Yeah, right into Close it, eyes. and I started laughing. I was laughing so hard, my wife was like, what the fuck are you watching? I was like, yeah. I, I don't I don't even know. <laughs> and my MVT for this film, uh, I'm going to go with the ladies, all the ladies, all nice. the ladies in the house, all the ladies in the movie. Uh, wow, I mean, every time I turned around, there was something to look at, if you know what I'm saying. Yes. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm not ashamed. Oh, to I know what you're saying. <laughs> I'm not ashamed to admit that, you know, I like looking at the ladies and uh, they looked really nice. It reminded me when uh, I was younger of uh, girls that would babysit me. Uh, that's what it reminded me of. And maybe that's something psychological I'm saying about myself over the air here. But that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, that's an inspired, A little creepy. inspired choice. <laughs> I, uh, I hadn't thought of that, although I mentioned it early on in the review. Yeah. Now, my score for the film is going to be this is this is a tough score. It's a tough score for me, too. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give it a six, an even six. Bullshit! <laughs> it's, it's Wait, what a, was that? A, t- a ten? It's a six on the air. It's a, it's a ten off the air. <laughs> it's an eleven Bullshit. in my heart. <laughs> yeah. And if I'm ever hanging out in Boston with my buddy Bill, it's probably going to be a ten plus. 
Yeah. yeah. If you ever come to Crash Year, I'm going to make you watch this over and over and over. Nice. The thing is, though, it won't bother me that much. I mean, as much as the score seems kind of low, I actually really I, I enjoyed this film way more than I thought I was going to like it. Oh, me too. Let me let me say that, but I did enjoy it a lot. It is a lot of fun. Bullshit! I thought this was going to be one of those films we reviewed where, you know, you get to certain scenes like skating, and I'd be like, okay, fast forward, fast forward, fast yeah. forward. But no, I'm sitting there watching every single minute. I never fast forwarded through a moment of this film, so... It's not short either, too. It's almost an hour and 50 minutes. I know, I know. Long for a movie like and, that, but it went by pretty quick. It's very entertaining. As you know, as Will said, you know, it took, you know, it's an hour in before you get to the secondary plot of the film, and he didn't even realize it. So that tells yeah. you it's pretty well constructed for what it is. Yeah. Agreed. All right, so that's it. That's our score for Roller Boogie. Everybody go out and check it out. You can probably get it on DVD really cheap, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, we'll be back after this short break. <laughs> Ah, you kids today with your internet porn, discussion forums, and illegal movie torrents. At CinemaDiabolica.com, we've got something way better than all that. We've got overly opinionated, offensive commentary on films that we more than likely didn't pay for. I guess you could say it's like the entire internet all on one site. Except not. Yo, son, CinemaDiabolica.com is like the whole internet on one site. Except not. Holla. CinemaDiabolica.com That's saliva. Yeah, that's saliva. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> I do want to say I want to clear something up. I'm not a fan of Perry Como because there's been a long running misconception <laughs> that I listened to Lawrence Welk and Perry Como. I can assure you, Bill, I do not. Didn't you call into my show being like the sweet sounds of Mr. Perry Como? I certainly did because it was a contrast from the uh, bluebirds that you like to play on your show. <laughs> the bluebirds. Yeah. Oh, baloney. Yeah, the whole thing always gets back to drugs. <laughs> The uh, yeah that 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 voicemail is classic. That's the one that sounds like uh, Will's either one getting ready to pass out or he has been drinking at work. It's like Bill, I really hate the music that you're playing. All the stuff that sounds like. Oh, I was at work. That was on a Saturday. Yeah, I was tired. Oh. <laughs> All right, so we'll go ahead and jump into our second film here, which is 1986's Cobra, Yay! the one and only, directed by one George P. Cosmatos. I think it's how you say his name, Cosmatos. Yeah, that sounds uh, right. Yeah. Close enough, at least. Uh, yeah, he's a. <laughs> we'll bring up some more stuff he's uh, he's uh, directed uh, here in a little bit. I'll go ahead and give the plot synopsis for this one because it's real simple. Uh, City cop is on the trail of a serial killer, and that's pretty much it. All right. Uh, <laughs> done and done. Yeah. See you guys next week. Yep. So here we are. Now, Now, Bill, I know you've mentioned Cobra before on one of your lists or one of your shows. I can't recall which one, but I know this film has come up before on Outside the Cinema. Yeah, I actually believe when we did uh, Childhood Favorites Month, I believe Cobra showed up on my Childhood Favorites action list. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's the one. And it's, you know, Cobra's, Cobra's an interesting film. It's not your ordinary Stallone pick. It was released after... Rambo, First Blood 2, but before Rocky 4, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So, 
I'm not, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm probably wrong. So feel free to write over to outside the cinema gmail.com and tell Ryan he's an idiot. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I don't know how that pertains to anything I just said, but don't worry about it. Uh, but no, yeah, it's 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 not your um not your normal Stallone pick. I guess would be a good way to put it. It's got a much um darker feel to it than a lot of his other films where, you know, he's playing the big American hero. His character too isn't your standard Stallone character. He's more of the outsider that isn't about, you know, doing the right thing and more about just making sure shit gets done, whether it's done through good means or bad means. Right, right. Yeah, this was actually right after Rocky Four. It was the film right after Rocky Four and right before the right Immortal film, which will be covered on this show at some point, called Over the Top. Yes. <laughs> oh, amazing. <laughs> now I might have to come back for that that's one. That's <laughs> a childhood favorite. <laughs> With the one of the great character names, Stallone's had a lot of great characters' names, but his character name in Over Hawk. the Top is still my favorite, Lincoln Hawk. Yeah, Lincoln Hawk. That's right. I had the action figure, man. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a great movie. That will be covered at some point. But yeah, but... Uh, you're right. This is a darker film. This kind of reminds me, oddly enough, this kind of reminds me of, you know, Stallone's recent Rambo. It's kind of got that same feel of, uh, it's not maybe as ultra violent as the new Rambo was, but it's definitely some of his more darker material, uh, that he does. I mean, he has, his films go up and down, you know, it's like action comedy, full blown action, uh, I don't know, childhood action. You can, you can name it all kinds of different ways. And, you know, he definitely, after stopping my mom will shoot, you know, things got a little out of control, to say the least. <laughs> Oscar. Or Oscar. Yeah. Or, yeah, or Oscar. But, you know, oddly enough, the Oscar's terrible, but I like it for some reason. Why is that? I have no idea. That's a good question. Uh, I, can answer, I can answer that for you. You are an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's some... There, don't, take that, don't take that personally. <laughs> I'm just saying. There's some good stuff in there. So, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, this is definitely one of the... And I've forgotten how dark it was. I watched it again today as we were recording this. Uh, I watched it earlier, uh, about uh, about four or five hours ago, so it's real fresh in my mind. I had just forgotten how dark it was, and uh, and uh, was really kind of pleasantly surprised at how well the uh, the darkness of the film really holds up. Definitely, and as you said too, with, with Stallone and his career and his kind of like peaks and valleys, he kind of always goes back to these dark action films. You figure he did First Blood, which was obviously the first Rainbow film, which is a dark action film. That's a very gritty angry film you know and then it kind of went up he did you know another rock and like the original rocky exact wasn't exactly the most like bright film right no and no. then you know it comes back down he, and then he comes back down does cobra then it goes back up he goes into doing other you know stuff like stop my mom will shoot and then it full circle comes back around does the you know the latest rambo flick which was very dark mm -hmm. very good by the way i might add oh yeah, the one new of my rambo's favorite incredible yeah one of my favorite films of the uh whatever year it came out it was in my top five list 2008 yeah, well, yeah, that's right. It's, it's in my top five list for this year. <laughs> yeah, it might be in mine too. It's excellent. This is an insane, top notch, yeah, insane movie. I remember I was just sitting in the movie theater with like absolute glee when I watched that Rambo film. Oh yeah, I was clapping like a seal uh, with glee <laughs> at some of the the stuff in the film. And I'm pretty sure everybody remembers the first time they saw that uh, that promo reel that they put out with just the massive violent bloodshed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember the first time I saw that, too. It was, I was at work, and a friend of mine was like, oh, there's a new Rambo pick coming out. So I got online, and I, I found the, the promo trailer for it. And dudes getting their arms cut off, getting blown up. I'm like, I, I almost passed out from sheer joy of watching it. Yeah. Yeah, my favorite was the uh, man that was turned to a husk. That was my favorite part. The, uh, <laughs> there's so many. So many. Yeah, like the, double, the double gun at, like, you know. Six inches, just laying into that guy. It's just oh, like a just husk is left. Awesome. Yeah, chunks just splattering on the shield of the gun, flying across oh. the screen. 
It is. It is without a doubt. I've told you this before, Will. It is it, the one film I can say where it is violence as beauty. I mean, it is like one of the most beautifully violent films I think I've ever watched. Yeah, <laughs> without a doubt. Most. Certainly. All right. So what else we? Uh, what else you got there, Bill? You got anything else you want to talk about on your end? Uh, I mean, yeah. This is a film that obviously, since it was a childhood favorite of mine, I got a lot. I got a lot of stuff here. Some other stuff I'll uh, I'll throw out. Well, why don't we start with that opening supermarket sequence? Since you know that's towards the top of the film. Right. Um, right away, like we said earlier, it's almost immediately you can tell this isn't your not not your normal Stallone pick, and it it becomes very evident very quickly. You know, he kind of comes in and comes in, and they you know right off the bat they're like they're like call the Cobra. Yeah, yeah. So you're like oh shit, you're like oh shit, stuff is about to go down. <laughs> he shows up, you know, immediately just goes right into the, the supermarket. You know, it's a hostage situation. No. Oh, it's like you wearing a, a a vest or a bulletproof vest or something. Ah, oh, no, no, fuck that. I'm good. I'm just it goes in. Doesn't take his sunglasses off the entire time. They don't fall off either. Or the match out of his mouth. <laughs> exactly. Goes in, you know, he's like, and starts spouting off the, the, the criminal, the criminals, the bad person, I'm the cure, and all that, you know, cliched. Yeah, you're the crime and one liners. Yeah. You're you're a disease oh, yeah, you're the, and I'm the that's cure. yeah. Great line. And I think that scene, and I got a feeling the scene may come up later on, again, but it definitely sets the tone for the film. And it's right off the bat, you're like, okay, you know, like that. Because there's the scene in the beginning where the guy's like, oh, you're free, you can go. And then he shoots the guy in the back with the shotgun. And you're like, whoa, you know, I wasn't necessarily like first, I'm first time, obviously, wasn't expecting that. Right. It's not your normal action thing. You don't usually see somebody get murdered like that. And it's like a young, he's like a young kid, too. He's like only supposed to probably like, what, maybe 15, 16 years old. Right, right. Definitely sets it right off the bat, and then you got that whole opening sequence with the guy riding there, and the stuff with the with the cult, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get into. Also, you know, banging the, the the hatchets together, and it's like blood. The film's blood red, and it just definitely sets you up for a, a situation that I know I wasn't expecting the first time I saw it. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of interesting intercutting between the banging of the axe handles and. And I always, my favorite thing about the film is all those moments where something's going on, and yet they'll every now and then they'll flash to the the cult, and I love that because it really creates this kind of uh, ominous feeling. It's like these guys are really that dangerous, and they are. This is one of the craziest sets of uh, of uh, typical '80s bad guys in action films. This one's fucking batshit crazy. This is one of the craziest groups of people I've ever seen. Definitely. Yeah, they mean business. A lot of times in '80s action movies, the villain's bark is worse yeah. than their bite but it's the opposite in this i mean these guys can bite i mean they kill a lot of people you know they throw that number out there like 16 people in 30 days and they even say including uh, elderly people and uh, a child who had been sexually yeah. abused so it just goes not by them but yeah. previously uh it just goes to show that all bets are off with these guys they are absolutely as cold as it gets yeah and the and the scenes where they they are doing the murders are very uneasy they're not they're not they're just dirty and grimy. It reminded me much more of watching, you know, a, a 70s revenge flick or an exploitation flick where you've got these brutal murders where the guy pulls it and the knife, the knife that Brian Thompson pulls out, the guy that plays the Night Stalker. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is an angry, angry blade. <laughs> it certainly is. Yeah. And in a way, he, you yeah. know, kind of, he loves that knife. It's almost like his, uh, it's his woman, I guess. It's his, it's his dick, man. <laughs> it's, uh, that's what it is. Yeah. It's his dick, it's his woman, it's his bitch. Oh, I mean, it has to be because... This dude's fucking brutally ugly. Brian Thompson, that actor, man. I've always couldn't stand that guy's face, man. He's hideous. And, he, and uh, you know, the girl he's uh, with, I'm guessing she's a girl. She's even cop. worse. She uh, makes him look like fucking George Clooney. Yeah. She's terrible. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh man, she was. What rough. she was was she, she was in RoboCop, wasn't she? No, you're th- I think you're thinking of Nancy Allen, uh, Brian, one of Brian De Palma's favorite actors. Ooh, Nancy Allen's yeah. gorgeous. Love me. Some she definitely because the girl, the girl was definitely. She looked familiar, and I, of course, didn't look it up beforehand. I can tell you this: you probably do see her in a lot of stuff because she has about two hundred and something acting credits. She's one of those character actresses that just keeps popping up and things. She does a ton of TV, does yeah. a lot of TV, and she pops up in a lot. Keeps of popping stuff. up. Oh yeah, yeah, she definitely does. That's what she said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, exactly. Uh, Bill, did you want to go over anything else? I'm sure you did before. Oh, I mean, I've I've got a ton of stuff here. I kind of feel like I'm hogging the spot. Oh, don't worry about. It. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, in man, that case, uh, next week on Outside the Cinema, you can hear. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, no, yeah, it, it, that whole supermarket scene kind of sets sets the tone for the rest of the film. There was, as much as I'm gushing about this film, there was a few things that just kind of really bugged me. One of them that really got to me was that first kind of random musical interlude after they kind of put Cobra on the case. Where he's you know he's walking the beats he's in the tattoo parlor and he's you know yeah oh, and yeah. it's it was one of those just really kind of cheesy eighties music video montage type deals and then there's Brigitte Nielsen's doing getting the photo shoot and it just it didn't work because the film as a whole is pretty dark and pretty violent and that just kind of felt really out of place yeah let me add the uh, photographer Mr Awesome himself Mike Sledgehammer there uh, that is awesome uh, I did yeah. not expect to see him yes. in the film I forgot he was in it. So did I, and I, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to as, as well. Was what, I. what were we talking about him last week? Something we mentioned him uh, last well, week on. Well, uh, uh, Wormwood Bebop, I think, on the boards had mentioned that he had gotten hold of Sledgehammer, the TV series, on DVD. And, and you had talked oh, about yes, that he's yes. in actually uh, the Coen Brothers' latest film, Burn After Reading. Burn After Burn After Reading. He's good in it. He's always, Sledgehammer was awesome. Yeah, he was one of the, he's one of the great uh, spoof actors of all time. I mean, he, he's probably the second best of the spoof actors in history of those kinds of films, I think. He should do yeah, he's more good. stuff. He's a he's a perfect sleazeball in this film too, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before he gets carved yeah, up like is. five seconds later. Yeah, yeah, and screams like a girl. Oh, I'm not asking ah! you to marry me, I'm just asking you to sleep with me. And he was doing it for her, of course, for her joy, for of her course. happiness. I'm helping your career. You having sex with me will help your career. Don't you understand this? What don't you get? And we all know that Brigitte, Brigitte Nelson's like six foot three and Sylvester Stallone's like five foot eight. So I kept thinking the whole time I'm watching this film that how many boxes or how many trenches did they have to dig for her and for him to stand on to make him look taller than her in those scenes? <laughs> well, there were so few scenes where they were actually standing next to each other. They would always focus on one or the other so you didn't notice that. Because one of the things that I put in my notes here was uh, the fact that there wasn't, despite the fact that they were supposed to be like together, there wasn't a lot of screen time with the, the two of them like kind of facing off. It was like they have her laying on a bed in the background. Or, or driving in a car or... Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I noticed that too. Um, let's see what else we got here. Uh, obviously, I had, we had Sledgehammer. That whole scene in the parking garage where the photographer Stan gets killed—that mm-hmm. scene is a—that's a pretty brutal sequence that they have going. Oh yeah. There with it's a great payoff with the van. Oh, oh it yeah. is a great payoff with the van. And it's just it took kind of took me you know even watching it today it kind of took me back a little bit. I'm like well, I forgot how. Uh, how intense some of this stuff is. Um, Brian Thompson, as you said, very ugly, but <laughs> freaky as hell in this film. Oh, yeah. Those scenes where he's sharpening the knife still to this day just kind of kind of wig me out. It's just very creepy. As, you know, Willie said, you know, that that phallic symbol of his knife just, ugh. 
Yeah, he, it's a creepy performance altogether. He pops up and stuff every now and then. I've seen him in a couple. I remember him. Uh, he's in uh, Fright Night Part Two. I remember him in that, and he pops up in other things every now and then. But uh, he actually has a really good speech toward the end of this film in the uh, "quote unquote" factory that starts running out of nowhere again. That we'll talk about a little yeah. later, I'm sure. We, yeah, we will. Which is the only explanation you get for the cult. You know, it's like the cult plays a major part, but you don't really know what the hell's going on. With yeah, that. you don't know what their coda is or their beliefs are. You don't know anything until. Well, until the, like the last what ten minutes of the movie, yeah. yeah. Which is a weird. Was and a weird you still choice. don't get much to go off of. Yeah, but I think it might have been an intentional choice because it's almost like uh, Carpenter's Assault on Precinct Thirteen or any of those movies where you don't know really who it is or what the, the. Well, I guess the motive is a different thing, but you don't know what their motives quite are, and I think that is a little off-putting in a sense because you don't know how to appease them. Yeah, it, well, it's it's the wise thing to do. I mean, it turns into a siege movie. You know, I guess uh, 60 minutes in, it turns into like a siege movie. So uh, it is good that they don't explain anything. These guys are just, you know, like I said before, they're just crazy, and they'll just kill anybody or anything. They don't really have any they don't have any reasoning behind the murders they commit. They're just kind of uh, random, which makes it even that much more freaky and kind of scary. So it was a pretty good choice, I have to admit. I mean, it's an odd choice, don't get me wrong, but it, it's good because it creates them, it turns them into monsters more than just bad guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's so many of them. I mean, there's the part where where uh, C- Cobra says when they're in the office and he's they're fighting back and forth, where he's fighting with that douchebag Monty, the guy that's supposed to be the, I don't know, the head. Oh, the know, one guy. of my favorite actors, by the way. Yeah, I like <laughs> that's too. too. That's too bad. <laughs> that guy, but they're that fighting guy back and forth. is the immortal, sleazy character actor in, on the face of the earth. I mean, you know, he played the killer in Dirty Harry, Andrew Robinson, also, all, also in a Hellraiser, I believe, right? He, yeah, yep. I was going to mention both of those. He was her, uh, the dad in Hellraiser, and I'll get to the, the Dirty Harry thing yeah. uh, in a little bit. We'll talk more about Andrew Robinson in a little bit, but yeah, I love Andrew yes. Robinson. He's fucking just a, he's a fucking weirdo, man. Yeah. And he's such a, in this movie, he's such a weasel. Oh, yeah, I know. And they're fighting back and forth, and Stallone's just like, they're not me killers. They ain't going to stop. And they're just like, yeah, whatever. You don't know what you're talking about, Cobra. Go, why don't you go back to your night shift and just shoot people? And I'm like, it's just, it works. It works really well. Uh-huh. Yeah, why don't you go back to the zombie squad? Yeah, the zombie squad. That's what it yeah, was. The zombie is that squad's a real awesome. cop term? Is that a real cop term, or is it just a cool sounding thing they made up for this uh, movie? Well, I know they call the third shift the graveyard shift here in Kentucky. I don't know if that means anything. Uh, maybe they call yeah, maybe it Zombie so. Squad out in California. Maybe f- or, or whoops, I shouldn't say his real name. Maybe F thirteen or uh, DZ should uh, call in, and let us know, or somebody on the West Coast, let us know if they call it the Zombie Squad out there. Yeah, <laughs> I never heard it outside of this film, so who knows? He's on the Zombie Squad, but yet you know the the supermarket thing takes place during the day, and he's uh, you know he's dressed and armed <laughs> and ready to go within like five minutes. Well, yeah. That's, yeah, but you know they had to call in the cobra. They weren't expecting to have to use them. I have to, you know. Did you I, hear I him call the cobra yeah, back in my dating days? You know when uh, I had a little trouble getting ready for the uh, night's activities with the lady in the room. I'd just got to say that before I walk in the door. I'd say I'm, I'm going to call the cobra. So <laughs> that was always my tag. Wow, wow! And, Don't you con me with your mind expansion slot? It was a spitting cobra too, by the way. Yeah. Aww. No doubt, man. You see? You see? Your stupid minds. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Take it into the gutter. Isn't that right? Yep. Yep. Oh, you got anything else, Bill? I mean, because we got. I, I, I guarantee um, you that all three of us have a lot of notes on this. Oh, yeah. Mostly. I mean, yeah. I've got a couple, I mean, a couple little things here. And the other thing that I, I fucking loved 
was the part when the first time when they're attempting to move uh, Virginia Nielsen's character and they get caught up in the car chase where the guys pull up behind him and then Brian Thompson's shooting the shotgun out of the back of the car in front of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does Cobra do? Does Cobra try to get away? No. Fuck no. What does Cobra do? Cobra fucking chases them down. <laughs> And they're shooting at him with a shotgun, and he is chasing them. I'm like, they were jumping you. Why are you going after them? Doesn't care about, you know, saving himself or even saving the girl that's with him. Like, flips his car over ten times, drives like a maniac, going after the guys that were attacking him. I mean, you don't see stuff oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, that's some great, great that, stunt work in that uh, scene. Great uh, car stunt work. I love that stuff. It's, it's, it's really a great, great little car chase. I mean, it's got a little bit of everything. Uh, you got guns. You know, you got him in the, I think it was, that was, oh yeah, that was with his car still. Uh, the ramps, there's explosions, uh, he kicks the nitrous in. You know, there's that, that hill where it's, it's just like, boom, 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 boom. Oh, where yeah. they went in and over the hills. I yeah. mean, they get a lot of air with the cars. That was pretty cool. The most awesome part is, after it's all said and done, he crashes into a fucking boat. I know. things. <laughs> a boat. You know, he runs over dumpsters, he runs through cars, he runs through everything, but he can't stop, he can't, you know, I guess that's saying something. The boat stopped him. A spectacular <laughs> crash into a boat, by the way. Awesome. No, and nobody gets hurt either. No, yeah, he gets he gets no, he gets a little nick hit. on his uh, right brow, nick. right eyebrow. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> amazing. But he has one of those industrial uh, like uh, death proof like Kurt Russell uh, stuntman seatbelts in there. Did you see him put that on? Yeah, yeah, she <laughs> yeah, put it on. Yeah, true. yeah, that's right. I'm expecting lean over and go, "This car is death proof," you know, something yeah. like that. As you are, Brigitte, I won't get you hurt. Oh, that's good stuff. And the, the one last note that I do want to add here, though, is uh, uh, props go to Brigitte Nielsen's wig in this. Oh, yeah. It was very uh, prominent and poofy. Yeah, good old Brigitte, that man. Might have been her. That might have been her real hair back then, man. I don't know. It could have been. The blonde? The red, you think? No, the blonde. The blonde. The blonde? Uh, yeah, she was pretty no, blonde, she... man. She's from Denmark, dude. Yeah, but she had, like, brown, reddish-brown hair that was, like, poofy through most of it. No, it was And then there's blonde. the scenes where she's doing the mod. No, no, you're wrong. <laughs> Damn it, you're wrong. No, it, it was. It was reddish. It was like a red fro. You're wrong. You, you're Shut both up, wrong. you big sack of dog vomit. Get your color adjusted on your TVs. <laughs> no, I think what blonde. it is is you're... I don't... Wait, wait. Maybe maybe it's different in Canada. Maybe brown hair <laughs> yeah, is actually blonde in Canada. It is. It's like bizarro world here in Canada. <laughs> it is. But what it is, I think you're getting... What do you, you see the scenes where she's doing all the modeling work, and she puts on about 50 different wigs in like five seconds, Yeah. and I bet that's how you remember. That's what I was thinking. I, I know what you mean, and that's not what I thought. But clearly, we can agree to Canada. Disagree. They call hockey pucks biscuits, so uh, <laughs> whisker biscuits. Know. Whisker biscuits, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Someone say whisker biscuits. <laughs> oh come on, Molly, show us your whisker biscuits. <laughs> I wonder if Marion asked Ingrid to see her whisker biscuit. Ooh. Well, we know we did in real life. But... <laughs> well, that's the only way she got work for a couple of years. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll go over a couple um, of my little notes on the immortal Cobra. Uh, first of all, I do want to say, I don't know why Stallone sometimes in his films, he, he he decides to go a little bit harder with the speech impediment type thing. This one is one of those classic ones that uh, he really, really brings out that deep Stallone accent. It's almost It almost borders on the uh, the Rocky accent, really, that deep southern Philly. And I might be wrong about that. Maybe the heck can call in and let me know because I know Philly, kind of different areas, has different kind of dialects uh, similar to Boston up there, but... Uh, he definitely kind of brings the uh, Stallone charm with his uh, the way he speaks. Uh, he got a great little like uh, speech at the very beginning of the film, which I'd forgotten all about. I'd forgot that he opens the film talking. I'd forgotten all about. Oh that. yeah, very interesting. Yeah, it, it was it was really really cool. It was like a like uh, a uh, I don't know, kind of like some kind of ominous like 
prologue of some kind. Very interesting stuff, and I really like that. Every day there's over 40 raped. Do I sound like Stallone, or do I just sound like a jerk off trying to pretend to be him? A little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. He uh, also, of course, you know, we neglected to mention, but this is a very important fact. Stallone did, in fact, write the script for this film. Uh, yes, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, he. Uh, oh, now, it makes, he now it makes sense. Yeah, we all. Yeah, we all know he's a talented writer and a pretty talented director and stuff. Uh, this one's a little outside his norm to me, though. I mean, uh, this one's a lot, got a lot more of those kind of uh, catchphrases that were popular in the '80s, you know. And I mean, at this time, uh, Freddy Krueger was doing them. Uh, you know, Dirty Harry was doing them. Everybody was doing them. So I guess Stallone, you know, had a few in his pocket, and he really whipped them out, man. He he has some very quotable lines. This might be this might be his most quotable character. On screen, maybe even more quotable than Rambo, I think, in some scenes. I think it is his most quotable character. There's there's a lot of good one-liners in this and a good delivery from him uh, on it, on a lot of them. Uh, like there's the, the part in the with the, the younger brother of Edward James almost there in the uh, grocery store. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, when he says, I'm going to blow this store up, and he goes, go ahead, I don't shop here. Yeah, that is awesome. Well, that, was, that was a great line. Uh, there's like three or four just in that opening scene. Well, there is. There is. I mean, the the line I like a lot is the tagline for the or the tagline on the DVD I have. You're a disease, or no? He says it to the guy. I'm sorry. You're yeah. a disease, and I'm the cure. Yeah, uh, which is good. Uh, what other ones do I have written down in terms of lines? I don't know, but yeah, there's a. Oh, I know one that was good. Um, when Gonzalez uh, tells Bridget Nielsen's character that his real name's Marion. Oh yeah. And uh, they're talking about it, and she she goes up and says, calls him Marion, and uh, he says he wishes he had a, a harder name growing up. Like Alice, <laughs> but just the timing with that was pretty good. He he delivered it pretty well. Him and Gonzalez actually have a couple of good quips back and forth. Like the scene when they're in the hospital with Virginia Nielsen, and he's like, uh, "You want something to eat?" <laughs> and he's like, yeah. "What do you got there?" He's like, "Looks like cheese." He's like, "Give me that cake." He's like, "No, you need something healthy." Yeah, we'll we'll be talking about Gonzalez and Stallone again because uh, that's something that's very important for me in this film. But my favorite is when uh, she's a good-looking girl. Didn't you notice? He's like, "I don't know. I didn't notice Gonzalez. Maybe you noticed. I didn't notice." <laughs> There's these yeah. little things, these little little moments between them that are really, really, really very good. Well, they're great in the film. They got a good chemistry, and and you know, there's the whole bit, the running thing with the health food versus the sweets. Oh yeah, uh, it was it was really good, and it kind of gave the partnership a kind of lived in feel. Yeah, you know what I mean. It, it didn't Definitely. feel as awkward. It felt like they'd been doing it together for a while, and they had good chemistry together. It's got a good payoff too, with uh, just two words: uh, gummy bears. <laughs> gummy bears. Yes. That's a that's a sound clip you need to get a hold of there, Bill. Gummy bears. Yeah, gummy bears. <laughs> I see you at the hospital. Try not to drive too fast. <laughs> Let me also mention the two more things. I'll, or a couple more things I'll mention, then I'll kick it over to you. Well, the score for this film. I love the score when the bad guys are coming. Did you guys notice the music? Oh, yeah. This kind of crazy yeah. string, like like nails on chalkboard type thing that just keeps going on and on and on. It was really driving me crazy. It kind of reminded me of like almost like a giallo or like an Italian horror film or something. Or some, maybe the, some of that Bernard Herrmann stuff. It kind of reminded me of that. And I, I'd forgotten how good that really was. It's really, really good music. Uh, whenever the you know the uh, the gang or whatever they are, they call him the Night Slasher. They don't ever call the gang anything, but they call him the Night Slasher. And, and uh, that, that was really cool. I really love that music. I just kept rewinding back and listening to that music over and over and over again. Good stuff. Yeah. It was great stuff. Also, there's a great scene where Cobretti uh, kind of gets on uh, Nielsen's case uh, about her not being able to sleep. But, I mean, it's kind of hard to sleep when somebody's fucking opening a box of artillery right there about five feet from you. Yeah. I mean, he's strapping guns. He's got lasers. The loudest damn. This might be the movie with the loudest gun being put together ever on screen. Oh, yeah. He's like, what's the matter? You can't sleep? 
Yeah, yeah no shit, though. Like, you got five grenades, and you're putting a gun together with a laser sight on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so and, I've had, and I've had a gang of bloodthirsty, uh, bloodthirsty cult stalking my every move. So yes. <laughs> forgive me if I'm a light sleeper at this point. And the matchstick was definitely an inspired choice by Stallone to have that matchstick at all times because he does the right thing. And I don't know if it's his idea or the... Uh, director's idea but he gives the matchstick a payoff which i won't give away but he gives it a payoff which is really great it's just a so great you know payoff. it involves fire yeah yes <laughs> surprise from <laughs> the match simple. fire from the match it involves a midget being anally raped that's what it involves so. okay I, I missed that part I, you must have had the director's cut <laughs> director's cut yeah the cosmatos uh yeah director's cut <laughs> and oh, the whole thing always good... gets back to drugs <laughs> That's a good transition for Cosmatos because I just want to talk about uh, just three other films that are in his resume besides this film that I really like. Uh, first one being Rambo, First Blood Part Two. I actually am a huge fan of First Blood Part Two. I like it just as much as I like the original First Blood. It's Part Three I don't really like, but oh, well, Part Three when he fights for the Taliban. Yeah, Part Three is crazy, man. Just you know, one man taking on like nine million people. That's just insanity. Eighties action movie insanity. Well, if you yeah. go back and you watch that movie a little bit closer to the story, you'll see that he's fighting for the Afghani freedom fighters. Yeah, I noticed. Yeah, oh, I know. Ever since two thousand one, this film isn't brought up that much anymore. This Rambo three, I've it's noticed not. that it's kind of disappeared. It's funny, <laughs> yeah. It's that, yeah, he's fighting for the Taliban. Yeah, that is uh, yep. humorous. He also directed a underwater, uh, or is it underwater? I think it is underwater. Yes, it uh, is. Kind of a thing ripoff called Leviathan that I like quite a bit with Peter Weller in it. Uh, oh, he directed Leviathan? Yeah, he did direct Leviathan. Yep. I, I like that movie. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's a good movie. It it's, un, it's underrated, um, but I like it. Of course, I'm a, I'm a sucker for all those, you know, thing or those 10, you know, 12, whatever that plot is, you know, where you got you know, old Dark House type plot, you know, a bunch of people in a room and whatever in a monster. So love that stuff. Leviathan's really good. And also the immortal tombstone with mm. Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer and, you know, I'm your Huckleberry and all that stuff. So some good stuff in Cosmodos. Unfortunately, he passed away recently. He uh, had bad health most of his life, I think, uh, pneumonia or something like that. So we're not going to get any more Cosmodos action epics. But uh, four films in his uh, resume are must-owns, in my opinion. Definitely. Yeah, it's, you know, when I look back um, at his... Uh, his resume there isn't a lot of work and it is a real shame because you know he worked with Weller twice actually he worked uh, with him on of unknown origin oh yeah uh, as well another horror film um which is decent uh, i saw it when i was younger um rambo yeah rambo you, all the all the films you mentioned i mean for a director as good as he is at making genre films and look i mean you got hor a couple horror films you got one of the best modern westerns you got two great action films i mean he really was capable of working in different genres, and it's a shame he didn't work more. Yeah, and to go back to what we always say, Will, on the show, and you know, Bill's coming on the show, and he can see it too, that uh, at some point it seems every film we watch is a Western in some way, and Cobra, Cobra is, a, is a Western. If you really think about the plot and the way it's built and everything else, it's a Western. Definitely. <laughs> no, it's, it really is. I mean, right down to the, you know, like the guys on the motorcycles riding into town. You know, same yeah. thing as you know, the gang coming in on a horseback riding yep. into town. Yep. It's, it seems to be the one thing that keeps coming back on when me and we'll, we'll review movies is that uh, we think we're watching these 80s action movies and come to find out we're just watching, you know, cowboys and Indians with guns and fast cars. Yes. <laughs> Everybody wins. Everybody wins. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go ahead and kick it over you, Will, and let you go over some of the notes you took on Cobra. Yeah, I got a lot. Uh, go Kelsey for it. Freeze. <laughs> Uh, the first thing, this is, uh, of course, uh, Golden Globus film, 
which any of us who grew up in the 80s, uh, they, they made so many good genre pictures. Yep. Um, Canon was one of their subsidiaries. I mean, God, they got so many good films, so that's worth mentioning. Well, uh, the opening the, Enter the Ninja? Sorry, is that one? Enter the Ninja is in there? The Ninja films, the, the Shokazuki films are in there, right? Shokazuki films, yep. yep. Yeah, a lot of Chuck Norris stuff. I think they even did Lone Wolf McQuaid. They did uh, all the Death Wish sequels. They did a bunch of stuff. Nice. Yeah, they did a, a bunch of, of Norris stuff. They did like Invasion USA, I think Delta Force. Yep. Nice. Good yeah, stuff. A lot of great, great 80s stuff. Um, the gun opening, and this is something that the more I I thought about it and looked at it and put pieces together, the more I realized this. This film is very, very, very heavily influenced by Dirty Harry. Um the character, of course, sort of uh, outside the law, he's, you know, sort of a loner, uh, very reminiscent of Dirty Harry, some of the, the one-liners. Um, the gun opening in the film with the red screen with the credits, and he shoots, the gun gets shot. That's I think it's Magnum Force uses an almost identical opening uh, in the film, so it was really reminiscent of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, further to that, um, and you had talked about this uh, very briefly, Andrew Robinson, Detective Monty, he plays the uh, Scorpio killer in the first uh, Dirty Harry movie. Right. right One so of the creepiest performances in film history, in my opinion. Yeah, he's great in that film, too. Good, well, you've never, you've never seen Showgirls, apparently. <laughs> oh, I've seen Showgirls. Talk about don't Kyle don't act like the gentleman's guy. I'll never cover Showgirls. We love us some Verhoeven. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, and I love me some uh, fish flopping in the water. Yeah, if we cover Showgirls, Bill, you've got to come back on. I'll yes. tell you what. The next show you guys will do could be Over the Top. Showgirls, and I'll be on board. <laughs> that would be Amen. an awesome I'm show. Down. That would be a great show. Um, Boner so there's another con- Sorry, go ahead. Bonerific. Oh, very. Uh, so there's another connection to Dirty Harry. Further to that, you got Renny Santoni, Gonzalez, yep. who is Stallone's partner. Renny Santoni was actually uh, uh, Dirty Harry's partner in the first film, I believe it was, as well. Mm-hmm. He was. Oh, yeah, he was. Right. Um so, I mean, and his name was Gonzalez in it. So, just there's a lot of Dirty Harry connections here. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I this is this basically is a Dirty Harry film with uh, Stallone, really, when you think about it. This is a Dirty Harry movie. Yeah, but I think some of the physical stuff uh, at this point was a little bit beyond Clint's Oh, yeah, probably. Capability. Oh, no, no we'll see, what, we'll see with Gran Torino, maybe. Yes, <laughs> we will. Um, so, yeah, that was one of the things that struck me uh, because I watched it. I've probably seen a handful of times. I think three or four, three of those were when I was a lot younger, so I wouldn't have made the connection. But that's one thing that really struck me. Um, I'm of the opinion that, and I, th- I know both of you guys agree with this. This is easily, in my opinion, one of the best '80s action films. Ooh, what do you think, Bill? In my opinion, um, it places up there. It's, it, I was definitely top top ten. It's up there. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you. It's definitely top ten. It might even be. It might even crack my top five. It's, it's one of the most important. I think of the '80s action. Uh, the word I'm looking for here, uh, excess. It's one of the, the most important excessive '80s action movies that I can think of. I mean, when you think of '80s action movies, this should be one of the first films you think of. It's kind of. Yeah. It's funny it's, too because. It's almost overlooked, I think, a lot of times by people because Stallone had so many huge monstrous hits, and Cobra did okay when it came out, but it wasn't like the monstrous hit that a Rambo or Rocky, or even right. you know, getting later into his career like Cliffhanger and Daylight and those films. Those films had huge opening weekends and they had big box office. It just uh, it it boggles my mind to think that Cobra was probably the best out of those films, and it just it uh, 
it didn't get the recognition. Another thing that struck me in this film is how cool Stallone looks in it. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> it's very easy, and we talked about this with uh, our good friend Rudger Hauer last week in Wanted Dinner Alive. It's very easy for the 80s action hero to look like a fool. But Stallone looks and is very, very cool in this film. He doesn't wear anything too period, um, you know, no rolled up uh, three-quarter length Actually, he does wear a trench coat, but he, he pulls it off quite well. But he just doesn't have that same period piece stuff that Howard wore in uh, mm-hmm. Wanted Dead or Alive. Yeah, no parachute pants. No parachute pants. Uh, he's got an awesome 1950 Merc that is one of the best cars in a film. If I was going to call in a car, like a car list, Bill, that would be on my list uh, for your show. Yeah, that um, actually, that car actually is owned by Stallone. He still owns that car. It's a fucking great car. Yeah, it's one of the great cars. Yeah. It is. He's got a signature gun with like the pearl inlay with the cobra on it. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. badass. Which you can always see because he wears it right in his right in his uh well right in his right under his navel, I guess you could say. Above. Well, you know, he's got to keep his junk covered. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Has to uh, be uncomfortable when he's sitting down. Has to be. Very much so. <laughs> very much so. Another thing that for some reason is one of the things that has always stuck out to me from the film, and I mentioned this last week on Wanted Dead or Alive, uh, on the review was that I'd said Rudger Hauer went to the Marion Colbretti School of uh, Culinary Preparation. <laughs> because in this, you get to see Cobra uh, cut a piece, uh, a, one, a small piece at that, of pizza with scissors. Yeah. <laughs> it was so unnecessary. This piece was easily manageable in one hand. <laughs> yeah, he cuts the tip off and just eats the tip. <laughs> yeah, I love, his, I love his lair. His lair is the saddest lair of any 80s action hero there is. It's pretty bare bones. I mean, he's got some kind of high-tech stuff, but it is pretty bare bones. He's got a 19-inch television. He's got, uh, you know, he's got a book full of uh, thug photographs. He's got a big open window. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't. Uh... Wasn't real impressive. After watching no. Wanted Dead or Alive last week in that lair, and then going to this lair, uh, this back cave was pretty lame. <laughs> yeah, it was. In the grand scheme of things, it certainly was. Um. Another thing, just talking about Bridget Nielsen, and regardless of hair color, uh, <laughs> fuck, what happened to her, man? I mean, she was reasonably good looking, and from certain angles and certain shots, she could almost give Kelly LeBrock a run for her money back. Almost, then. almost. And I mean, now I said this to you off the air, Sammy. She looks like the fucking tranny from The Last <laughs> Dragon now. <laughs> like, she looks so oh, beat up. So now. true. Uh, <laughs> oh, she is beat up now. There's no other way to describe it. My wife was actually watching the film with me, and she's only familiar with Brigitte Nielsen from Flava Flav. She knows her as a train wreck, and she can't believe she ever actually looked normal in any capacity. <laughs> Unbelievable. So that was bizarre for her to see her. She was actually, we're thinking that way. We're thinking, whatever happened to her? Why? How did she go down that path? My wife's thinking the other thing, like, oh, my God, she was actually normal at one point? <laughs> She is oh, just a she is a freak show to say the least nowadays. I mean, no God. doubt, her on celebrity <laughs> rehab was just so depressing, and also the fact that she was the voice of reasoning on celebrity rehab, which yeah, says something really in its scary. own right. Wow, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it, it certainly does. Um, I thought the movie was reasonably well shot as far as um, your sort of by the numbers eighties action movies goes. There's one shot in this that. I thought it was great. It was uh, when the Night Slashers got Bridget Nielsen pinned between the two hotel rooms. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's an overhead shot. And he, he's busted through and he's got the knife. He's waving it around. And she's kind of pinned up against the other door. And I thought it was a real great shot. It was almost like a, like a horror movie shot, like a slasher. 
for lack of a better word, uh, a slasher film, uh, a shot, and it yeah, no, it, it has the film has slasher element slasher elements to it. The, the hospital thing reminded me of uh, Halloween two, Halloween two, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, it really does. So, and, and seeing this and seeing that, getting that sort of visceral thrill from that, made me think, Sammy, God, we got to start covering more horror films, man. <laughs> we really do, because it's funny, because you and I love them so much, and we, we haven't done that many, so we got to do a couple balls out uh, yeah. horror films here and that. One of our sister, future. one of our sister shows tries to steal all the horror goodness. I'm not going to mention any names with a certain other person in the room, but you know what I'm saying. How dare you talk about something yeah. diabolical like that? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> those bastards. No, we. I mean, it's funny because. OTC gets pegged as a horror show, and we're really not. It's our bread and butter's horror, but we're not strictly horror. So, I mean, this week we did a friggin' war pick. So, go figure. Yeah, which I can't wait go. to hear that. By the way, me neither. Me neither. Um, another thing that remember how I said during the roller boogie review, I'd never seen a wind sail roller skater. Yeah. Yep. Well, as luck would have it, and we were doing these two movies together. There is a, a wind sailing roller skater passing by the scene when he pulls up his car the second time in front of the Mexicans. Awesome. Uh, I missed it. <laughs> I didn't even what notice are the odds? What are the <laughs> odds? I've never seen one in my life. The two movies we watched <laughs> could not be more different in tone, theme, or anything. Uh, you know, and sure enough, wind sail roller skater. Well, it's because you live <laughs> so, in Canada. We see that thing here all the time in the States. It's, it's a lot more prevalent, yeah. Not no, so much in Kentucky. Not so much in Kentucky. In Kentucky, they do something called ditch surfing, which is you know kind of getting a ski and then getting, getting pulled behind the, like a Dodge Challenger and going through uh, water in ditches. Yeah, real fancy redneck type stuff like that. But <laughs> well, in Boston, all they do is beat up Yankees fans. So, ooh, well, I better not come to Boston, eh? Yeah, well, that's your own problem. I ain't gonna save you. Let's just say I'm if gonna... I ever come there, I will be decked to the nines and fucking Yankee memorabilia. I'll be wearing everything I own. In all seriousness, you need to stay out of the city then. <laughs> awesome. People are just fanatical. Yes, I know. They're fanatical yeah. down here. The Boston fans down here are fanatical. I get enough shit as it is. That's because we're all we're all assholes. Everyone from Massachusetts, we're all jerks. It's like you said mass, mass holes. Mass holes, like yeah. It's like, hey, you don't it's like okay, you don't you, like the Red Sox, man. <laughs> You can say that because you're there. We can't say that. I will take you down. You don't like the socks. <laughs> Fuck Manny. Um, yeah. It's all about Poppy anyway. We don't. We don't need him. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. Pretty much, well, a little man. bit of shinfo for everyone right there. Yeah, shinfo, shinfo on uh, the gentleman's guy. There you go. I actually need to load the shinfo. The shinfo you don't have the shinfo alarm with you? No, it's uh, Ryan <laughs> took it home with him. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, I thought that the Night Slasher must have went to the Clark Kent School of Disguises. Oh, yes. Don't even get me started on that. Because that, if, if anything in this movie is laughable, it's that it's those moments. I guess yeah. he decided to use ink for his hair. Why? Why? Yeah, nobody knew who he was anyway, right? I don't exactly think so. That's what I said. I was like, she's the only one that knows who he is, so if, she can, if he can get in the room, it doesn't matter what he dresses as going in there. Yeah, it's game over at that point. He kills a guy that is about five foot two, and then puts his, I guess, his maintenance costume on. It fits him perfectly, and obviously Brian Thompson's about six foot eight. He's a big, yeah, he's dude. A big boy. <laughs> yeah, the scene with him and the the uh, cleaning lady or the uh, nurse in the uh, elevator—pretty funny stuff. Mm. Yeah, that was a good little bit. That was a good little bit because there is a lot of brutal killings in the film, and and it's it does have a little bit of tension with a bit of humor, and they balance that pretty well in that scene. Yep. Um, I wanted to mention this near the end of my review, but I don't want to forget to mention it. I love the character of Cobra so much. I wish there had been a few other Cobra films made, and I really wish, in a perfect world, that 
Cobra could have had an international team up with Tequila, the Chow Yun Fat character, at some point. <laughs> oh, that would have been cool. Would have been ridiculous. <laughs> That's cinematic gold, right? Yeah, there. cinematic orgasm, right there. I don't know if that. Uh, let's let's start a petition online. Let's get another Cobra film made. Sloan's revisiting old characters. Let's get him to revisit Marion. And Chow's content to to stay in Hollywood doing god awful uh, Dragon Ball movies. So. There you go. can class it up a bit and get in a Cobra film. And actually, Tequila uses a matchstick, too, now that I think about it. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Mm. How so, about that? That'd be really good. Uh, but I just wanted to bring that up. Um, this film's really short. I don't know if you guys realize. It's only like 86 or 88 minutes long. I think it was only 83. It was an uh, hour was and 23 it 83? minutes. Yeah. 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 And actually, that's, really not, that's not a bad thing. This, is, this film's really tight. I like it. I mean, it's really, really, it really moves well. I mean, it. I was not bored one second. I've seen this film about 900 times, and I was just like a young kid again watching it again 900? Really? Not really, probably. Samurai? I think you're Maybe. lying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, 900 is, is a lot, but I would... That is a lot, but I've seen, I've seen, I've seen a lot of stuff. <laughs> Rest in peace. Um, oh, I miss him so much. Uh, me too. Me too. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the film was really pacey, though, which was good. This is like you know what you and I always say, Sammy, and you probably agree with this, Bill, is when you're going to make uh, an action film or an exploitation film, once you get past the 90-minute mark, you've really blown your load. You're best served to keep it between the 80- and 90-minute mark. Oh, I agree 100%, definitely. This film wouldn't have worked anywhere near as well if they tried to tag on another scene. Like if they had gotten out of the hotel and then got to another place – and oh. then had you know played the cat and mouse game again. The reveal of the cop turning you know to them at least because you obviously know the female cop turns early, very early on in the story. Right, mm-hmm. right. And when she when they realize what's going on, that's that's the beginning of the end. That's the final like was it about twenty minutes, twenty five minutes or so that rolls right yeah. through to the end. If they tried to tack on another scene where oh we need to tell you know tell the the cops back that you know so and so is a traitor and. Because you could almost see that they very could have easily tried to go that way with it, and they mm-hmm. didn't. They were just like, "All right, you know, balls to the wall for the last twenty-five minutes of this, and let's just go for it." And I think that's why it works so well because we've all seen so many pictures that, like you said, Willie, hit that ninety-minute mark and shit just starts to fall apart because you've already had a major action sequence and you don't necessarily have time to build up another one. So when you no. do have a final battle that's only you know a few minutes past another major battle, it just it just kind of feels tacked on. Yeah, it really does. It really does. This is tight, like you said, Sammy. It's well edited, really pacey. It's it's even edited well with the montage uh, and the intercutting of the bikes coming and him assembling the weapons. You kind of get the sense of how many guys are coming. Uh, the earlier contrast with the glossy photo shoot with those weird-looking uh, robots. So that that setup could have been in a Jalo film, but between the the sort of glossy photo shoot and the seedy part of town when they're interviewing the Grace Jones lookalike. Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know it's it's yeah it's really really good at that, really good at that. The um, the the important thing to remember this film it basically introduces a a, a character, and then introduces a, the bad guys, and then pretty much it's have we found them? We found one character. They move to another location, and then we get a big action scene, and it's over. I mean, it's as lean as you can get with these kind of movies. Also, a brilliant move on the part of Cosmatos for the. Uh, when all the motorcycles are coming in to town, so to speak, like in the Western, they would all ride in. Mm-hmm. That music's playing. Like I say, you don't hear any motorcycles. You just see the motorcycles. You don't mm-hmm. hear it. To take it out of the soundtrack, that's a genius move. It is. And it's it's one that a lot of people would have overlooked. 
Yeah, definitely. And it's also kind of weird too that they have them traveling like overnight to get there, but they don't arrive till dawn. So the entire action sequence with the bikes and stuff takes place during daylight, which yeah wouldn't be what you would expect. No, no, no. that <laughs> you don't see that that often. You really don't. <laughs> no, you definitely don't. Although the road when when they were riding around the truck and he was shooting everybody with the gun. If you look, the road is like really wet, and then it's really dry, and then it's really wet, and then it's really dry. <laughs> I did notice that. It's awesome. <laughs> One thing you don't see a lot of either is a security guard at a warehouse at a factory, and we did see one in this film. Yeah, this is the, maybe one of the first times and uh, maybe the Last only time <laughs> that ever happened. Yeah, and we see yeah, where that got, got him. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't get him very far, that's for sure. Yeah, but one shot of a gun, though, it turned the whole fucking facility on. Go figure. I don't, that's an amazing shot. Oh yeah, the fire is going. And, you know, the cranes are flying around. Everything's rocking at full capacity. Then it's, it takes uh, a while to get uh, liquid magma going, uh, but it only took about uh, I don't know two minutes. Liquid, in this film. liquid hot magma, yeah. magma. <laughs> magma. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I only got really probably yeah one or two more notes here. Um, you talked about uh, Brian Thompson's whole pig sort of spitting. Uh, rain. <laughs> yeah, I won't do it into the mic because it'll. It disturbed people. <laughs> I, I did, and I think I uh, shouldn't have in hindsight. Um, it was a, you and I again. I talked about this last week. What was wrong with Wanted Dead or Alive was that the showdown. You get that big, great, sustained action sequence, and then you get a showdown between two guys who are in great physical shape. Brian Thompson's real big. He's kind of a hulking guy, and it was a good physical showdown. I mean, you get this chain versus a knife. Uh, all this yeah. fire and, and magma and stuff going all around. You know, you get the. Uh, the ugly cop, uh, the ugly uh, cult member slash cop jumping back in. You get shotguns. You know, it's just a great, great showdown after a really good sustained action sequence to close the film out. And like I said, it's just I think it's a great end. The great payoff with the with the uh, the meat hook. It's not a meat hook, oh. but the hook uh, and into the fire. I mean, this this is an example of of uh, doing everything right in an action film, in my opinion. Yeah, they uh, foreshadow the hook. The first time yes. you see. Brian Thompson walking around, you see the hook go by, and it's like, oh boy, that hook's going to come back. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely brutal. That is brutal. And I, I'm ne- I, I just talked about you this, but this is the other night, Willie. I said, uh, you know, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is not a bloody film and everything else, but the scene that just drives me fucking crazy is when he puts her on the meat hook. It just yeah. it it just makes me grind my teeth every time I think about it. <laughs> yep. Oh, absolutely. Oh, just the idea of being hung on a meat hook, just, oh, man, I don't even want to think about it no more. No, yeah, a, let's not. not a pleasant uh, thought. That's all I got. Let me add that uh, Brian Thompson also is of the school of Kurt Russell in Death Proof when it comes to the screaming while on the meat hook. Wow. That's a big dude. He was screaming like a bitch. Yeah, well, let's let's uh, shove a giant iron hook through your, your <laughs> chest cavity and see how you uh, how you do. I talk like Stallone. I'm like, hey, you know, I got a hook in my back. Eyes, it kind of hurts a bit. Nicky, yeah. can you give me a hand? That almost sounded like Schwarzenegger a little bit there. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? Well, I know you got a history with him, you know, that little uh, promo you guys did. He was a so. dick when I interviewed him. Yeah, I could tell. All he yeah, wanted to talk about was... in his old age. Yeah, all he wanted to talk about was Last Action Hero. <laughs> all right, so who wants to go first on the maker breaks and MVTs? And the score? Um, you want me to go? Yeah, yeah I, I say we go, go to the guest again. Bill's been quiet for a while. Your turn, Bill. I kind of fell asleep. No, that's nothing against you guys. It's past my bedtime. We talked about this earlier. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes. All right. So my my break maker. Uh, 
All right, so my make or break scene for this. I mean, there's so many good things going on in this movie and so much stuff that was done right. If I'm going to pick out one particular sequence that I think really kind of set the tone, I mean, I would say that opening sequence at the supermarket, but I'm actually going to go with the hospital scene. Because when Brian okay. Thompson is coming into the coming into that hospital and he is stalking Brigitte Nielsen, we said how he, he kills the little scrawny guy down in the basement or wherever the service area is, which, you know, is completely unneeded and brutal but like the you don't expect it coming and then when he gets into the room with her and she comes out of the bathroom and she sees him that sequence of him trying to get through the door and her trying to get out is just you know edge of your seat nail biter like oh shit type moment and then when he smashes through that door with that knife you're like whoa this shit is on and it just sets that tone for the you know to build that's that's kind of like your your little bit of your build to your final action sequence and it just kind of when it hits that point, the movie goes into overdrive, and it's just there is no looking back. That's a good pick. That's a very good pick. Now, as far as an MVT, I'm I'm gonna maybe be with you guys on this, maybe not. We'll see. But I'm actually going with Brian Thompson portrayal of the uh, the Night Slasher. Every time this dude is on screen, he is just scary as shit. Way scarier than most you know slasher guys from horror movies or. His just whole persona and just dark demeanor of just death and rage and violence and murder are just so, like, spoken just the way he looks. And the fact that he's just this big hulking dude that just is out to get everybody, he just it portrays it well. I mean, this film, if you had had somebody else in that role, I think, playing, you know, the protagonist, it, it, I don't think it would have worked. For some reason, he just works perfectly. He's just scary in every way, shape, and form. Yeah, oh, he definitely is. It's his it's his greatest uh, film credit. I've looked through Brian Thompson's filmography. It's the one I always remember him for is being the Night Slasher and Cobra. Yeah, and I mean he's done a lot of stuff. Like you said, he did Fright Night Part Two. He did Night Wish, which is a pretty rare film. I remember seeing it as a kid. Uh, there's a transformation scene uh, where he gets turned into uh, some sort of a creature. But uh, he's done a lot of stuff, and it definitely when I think of him, this is easily the first thing I think of because it is really is a great, great. Uh, villain performance. Mm-hmm. You know what he would he would have made a really good role is is a Bond villain. Yeah, if he had played like a an unspoken kind of like Jaws type Bond villain would have been awesome. Yeah. yeah, 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 more yeah, not maybe the the uh, mastermind, but certainly the uh, the henchman. The, yeah, the henchman. He would have made a good henchman. So, um, moving on to a grade for the film. I don't dole out real high grades often. I'm not. I'm much more reserved. At least on on my show, I will. Like I've never given out. You know what would be a perfect ten for you guys? Is I'm not sure if I've ever seen a perfect ten. But uh, uh, this, yeah. <laughs> uh, Were you yeah. asking us what a perfect ten would have been? What well, Bill? I mean, you, you didn't see Roller Boogie? I hate. Oh, I gave yes. it an eight and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah ten's hard to come by. <laughs> it's but I mean you guys know what I'm saying. It's like there's perfect films out there. You know, if I was gonna say you know put my money on it, a film like The Godfather or you yeah, know, Godfather, Citizen, Citizen Kane. Kane. Those are the films that are as close to perfect as you're gonna get. But I don't think I've ever seen a perfect film. I've seen some close things. No. And I'm not putting Cobra obviously on a level of that. But in terms of 80s action film, it is top notch. It is the type of movie that has rewatchability. Whether you're with a group of friends or if you're just sitting down and you're watching it by yourself. I sat down and watched it this morning, and you know I've seen the movie. Not as many times as Samurai, apparently, because he's apparently Obviously. watched the movie 900 some odd times. But 900 times, and the whole time I was watching all those nights, I was thinking about Linda Blair's three boobs. 
Oh, who doesn't? <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, really. She's a little idiot, but look at those tits. There we go. <laughs> um, so, but as far as a grade, I'm gonna I'm gonna go up there. I'm going to give this a nine and a half. Nice. It's wow. one of my go-to action flicks. It's something that I can sit down and watch multiple times, and it doesn't get old. This is this a good is party of, movie. You know that list you had a while back, party movies. This is a good party movie. Yeah, definitely. It's one of those films that is always going to be near and dear to my heart, too, because it's one of the ones that my dad uh, dubbed off of a, uh, a video from the local store. You know, you yeah. remember when you used to take the two VCRs and you used to put the... yeah. Yeah, the oh, dubbing cables. So I watched it a whole bunch as a kid, which was again another because this is a for you know for a film. It's a pretty hard R. There's a lot of violence yeah, in it, is. and I'm yep. like a like eight year old kid sitting and watching it. So uh, very near and dear to my heart, and I I can rec- this is just a very good movie all around. Nice. <laughs> just to get the point across. <laughs> exactly. All right, uh, you want to go next one yeah. or uh, whatever. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> I'll go ahead and go next. I'll let you go last. I don't remember who went last time. I don't remember the order. I'll screw the order. Let's just do it. Here we go. Uh, Details. Yeah. My make or break scene. Uh, my, my favorite scenes in the film are very similar t- in ways to what uh, Bill said. I like the uh, I like the camaraderie the most between Gonzalez and uh, Stallone. I mean, there's really, really good stuff between them. There's a lot of moments in this film where Stallone... I mean, we all know now that he wanted to do comedy. I mean, especially a little bit after this point, he really started trying the comedy thing. Uh, his comic timing has always been good. It's just his projects he's picked to do his comic timing in have been fucking terrible. So he's always had really good comic moments in a lot of his films, and this one's got some of the best. I mean, they're not, they're not even, like, over the top. They're just real subtle little comic moments. Like, like take, for instance, the look he gives the French fries. Uh, that was great, and he doesn't even say a word. He just looks at them and like just yeah, disgusted kind of. That's a lot of ketchup, bitch. Yeah, do you, know, do you like, have uh, a life preserver? Because your fried fries are drowning. Oh, that's a great line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, there's little moments like that, and you could see that you know he has that kind of charisma to pull that kind of stuff off. But I really like the scenes between him and Gonzalez the most. Uh, it has a good payoff with like I say the gummy bear line and everything, and. There's a lot, a lot of good moments there uh, with him. And the hospital one is probably the best one when they're talking about the food and stuff. It's hilarious stuff. And I'd forgotten that if for such a dark film, there's these little moments of uh, of comedy in it that uh, really shouldn't be in this film. Because this film is tremendously dark compared to a lot of that stuff. But uh, they fit really well in here somehow. And it works pretty good. Uh, my MVT for the film. Well, this one's pretty much pretty simple. I like uh, Bill's pick. That was a good pick. Uh, I actually thought about that. But... I am going to go with Mr. Stallone. I can't not go with Stallone on this one. He owns this movie. He owns it from the get-go. From the first time he tries to park his car and somebody's in his way and he decides to be such a badass that he just decides to rip the guy's shirt and walk away. Now, that is a badass. Anybody that can rip somebody's shirt and just walk away. Yeah, clean yourself up. (laughs) (laughs) And then he gets the respect the next time around. I mean, that's just, I mean, how how badass can you get, you know? (laughs) So, uh, I just love, I love him in every moment in this film, uh, you know, he is one of those weird actors. I've always wondered how he got so popular and how he got so big because he's got such a unique face, a unique speech pattern. He's got a oh, lot of no. unique characteristics to him. That It's amazing to me he became, you know, the world's biggest movie star for a good 10, 12 years. And in my yeah. mind, he still is. Yeah. Well, Rambo is a great example. And, again, if anybody out there hasn't seen Rambo and they don't want to see it because they think it's Stallone trying to rehash a tired old character, trust me. Uh, you've never seen a movie like Rambo. <laughs> hey, uh, Samurai, did you happen to watch... Do you have that on Blu-ray? 
no, I don't own it yet. I've been meaning to buy it, but I'm kind of waiting. Why do you have pick, it on Blu-ray? Yeah, pick up the Blu-ray, man. No, oh, yeah, I'm going. When, when I do own it, it will be on Blu-ray. Yeah, the surround sound mix on it is just unbelievable. Yeah, we're, we're me and you are Blu-ray guys. Uh, old uh, Big Will up there, he's not he's not into the Blu-ray yet. I'm That's a beta right. guy still. <laughs> still watching stuff on. I enjoy eight tracks. 45s yeah. at Betamax. You would not believe the shipping cost I've had to in, you know, incur from shipping uh, beta tapes and VHS tapes. That stuff cuts expensive real quick. Where do you oh, even yeah. find that shit to dub anymore? <laughs> uh, well, there's a lot of VCR rate, tapes out there, buddy. Did, yeah. you, did you raid uh, Juan's pawn shop? Like, give me all your <laughs> Betamax. Yeah, pretty much. you got to look under a lot of rocks to find any beta these days, man. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen a beta in years. Oh, neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why my MVT. It's definitely Stallone. Stallone is uh, is the man in this film, and this film is is written by him. It's centered around him, and you know the you know the title of the movie is named after him. So it's it's a movie vehicle, the starring vehicle that's just perfect for him. And uh, I would give this score, uh, and this is not judging on the '80s action movie scale or anything, but I would give this film a solid eight and a half. I mean, this film is. Uh, Bullshit! <laughs> it's it's amazing, uh, you know, and it, it's a great film if you want to sit around and, and you know you got a bunch of buddies over or something. It's a great film to put in because it's like we said, it's short, it's nice and tight, it's well put together, it's violent. So if you got a bunch of dudes over, it's a great time to watch a movie, and uh, you know it's got a great car in it. What else can I say? It's one of those parties where all you, you and all your friends end up wrestling each other in the living room by the time it's done because you get so into it. Yeah, in the oh. nude. I don't know what's going on at your parties, man. <laughs> no, we just we just uh, wash, wax all of our cars shirtless in the gleaming sun. I don't know about this wrestling business. <laughs> I was gonna say we just go out and we just go out and do curling in the backyard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Penguin watching, man. <laughs> all right, I'll go ahead and kick it over to you, Will, for your uh, scores. Penguin tossing. <laughs> okay, my make or break is the grocery store scene, often imitated, never duplicated. Yeah, it was imitated by one Stone Cold. And Action Jackson. Oh, yeah, and, don't forget about Action Jackson. And Roller Boogie. <laughs> yeah, and Roller Boogie. I don't remember and that scene. I've got to go back and watch Roller Boogie. To, Again, to a lesser degree, uh, Wanted Dead or Alive. They just scale it back to a convenience store. Um, yeah, the they production. do. <laughs> like I said, often imitated, never duplicated. But this one is the most brutal of all of them, too, in the sense... Well, the one in, in uh, Stone Cold was good, too, but... It goes to show you what kind of people these are. This this lower end uh, cult member. I mean, he's, you said he's blasting away a kid, and you know he's really just sort of crazy. And uh, Stallone establishes himself as Cool Hand Luke early on in the film, and it just for me, yeah, it just set me up for what uh, what I could expect for the rest of the film. So that's why that's my make or break. My MVT is also Stallone. Um, it was a really really good choice for you to go with Brian Thompson, Bill, and it's it. I can't argue with that. Just for me, what would have put me over the top was the fact that Stallone wrote the screenplay. Um, and that just kind of edges him out a little bit for me. Uh, it's, well, I think Rocky's probably his, his best acted role, but this might be my favorite movie of his other than, I don't know, maybe Rocky 1 and 2 and now the newest Rambo. I just, I really love it, and I think it's a great, great performance for him. Um, in terms of my rating, I seem to be the miser tonight. Uh, I'm going to give it an 8.25 out of 10. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Great film. I will go on record as saying this is one of the most, it's the quintessential 80s action film. Everything I like, you know, uh, in an 80s action film, it has. It nails it all very well. 
and it's a little bit darker than most, which, uh, as us being fans of horror films, would appeal to our sensibilities because of it being a little darker. So right. that's my rating. I don't know how any of you couldn't have seen it yet, um, but if you have not, uh, it's it's definitely worth a buy. Or, you know, just check it out, man. It's an awesome film. You can get it really yeah. cheap. Unfortunately, the DVD is bare bones, I think. pretty Well, pretty bare bones. There might be an audio commentary because Matos uh, on there. No, there, there are interactive menus. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's, it's one of those old discs. <laughs> scene, scene selection is one of the bonus features. Scene selection. It's funny it's you so mentioned that. Today I was at the store and I actually almost bought a, uh, a still-wrapped copy of uh, The Hitcher with Rugger Hauer and uh, in, in it had on the back, now featuring interactive menus. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> so I'll get to change the subtitle options. That's all that'll happen. Yeah, like a girl in a bikini. No concealed weapons. That was the wrong sound clip. <laughs> it was. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, no, this is the quintessential film. If you haven't seen it yet, uh, do yourself a favor, see this film. It is one of the great films, one of the great 80s action films, and one of the great Stallone performances, I think, of all time. And I'm sure we can all agree with that. And Brian Thompson is a creep. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Definitely. All right, so that's our scores. We're going to go to uh next break and then do our feedback, and we'll be right back. I got balled by so many guys, I don't know if the father's going to be white, Indian, Mexican, or black. My money's or, on Indian. Or Canadian. I'm, All right. Canadian. We'll, we'll be, we will oh, be back. <laughs> Popsyndicate.com. Your one stop for all your unhealthy obsessions. Breaking news and in-depth reviews on all of your favorite movies, music, TV shows, podcasts, comics, books. Popsyndicate.com. Canada. I could listen to that all day, man. And in fact, you probably could. The full-length version of that song is 12 minutes long. Yeah, I know. I know. I know that. I found that out the hard way. That's what she said. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and cut that down. You got a Hummer from the tranny, didn't you? <laughs> Who, Bridget? No. <laughs> you got a Hummer from the tranny, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Don't hurt the face, baby. Don't hurt the face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the last dragon reference there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we got one email this week and two voicemails, so I'll go ahead and let Will read off the email first. I hope in an inspired bit of uh, contributing, Bill's prepped something for me to read my email here. Oh, don't worry, I got you covered, dude. Oh, okay. oh, you, want one of these? I... you want one of these? I can be one of these. That beast is from Venus. <laughs> what the hell? I, I want a ding-a-dong, man. <laughs> oh, no, I don't have the ding-a-dong. Only Ryan's allowed to have that. Yeah, you can get it. I'll tell you what, you can get one of these. You bitch, you set this up. <laughs> Show me your whisker biscuit. Yeah, exactly, man. Uh, okay, this is from Martin. I just wanted to throw a few quick, a quick few notes here. First and foremost, you definitely should check out Emperor of the North, which you mentioned an episode or two back. 
It has all the right ingredients for the show, as well as with great actors, great story, and that lovely 70s feel to it. And who doesn't want to see Lee Marvin and Ernest Borgnine in an axe fight on a moving train? It's com- it's hard to come up with something more macho than that. Keep up the wow. good work, Martin. And that is a great point. It's almost impossible to come up with something more macho than that. Uh, Gladiators. Yeah. <laughs> Ernest Borgnine and Lee Marvin alone is worth probably... Is, is it called Emperor of the North or is it called Emperor of the North Pole? I don't know. I've That's what called, she I've... said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I, I've called it both. I think we should probably look that up. Either way, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Well, we will look into covering it. Uh, that definitely is right up our alley. We both love Lee Marvin, and uh, I love Borgnine. He's, uh, oh, I love Borgnine. Yeah. Definitely one of the more attractive people in cinema history. I'm yes, a George C. Scott man myself. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. That that guy, man. Talk about scene or, chewing. Wow. Ooh. Or <laughs> uh, jo- George Papard. Oh, awesome. Hannibal. Papard. <laughs> Also in Breakfast at Tiffany's. I don't know what that says about me. All right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Voicemail number one. I believe uh, you guys may be familiar with this gentleman. I know we are, and I know Bill is. So, Hey, guys. Sean here. Uh, again, from Chicago. Just uh, calling another great show. Uh, I absolutely love uh, One Did Our Live. I uh, had a movie to see if you guys saw or covered. Uh, John Carpenter actually wrote it but did not direct it. Uh, Black Moon Rising with Tommy Lee Jones and Linda Hamilton. I wonder if you guys ever see it if you're interested in covering it. I remember seeing it as a young lad and thinking the car was cool. Anyway, you guys do a great show. Talk to you soon. <laughs> wow, we got another laughter in there from another voicemail. <laughs> that, was, that was the doc on the second one. I'll have to edit that out. Anyway, uh, yeah, that was good old Sean from Chicago. Sean at HorrorCommentary.com. Uh, Sean's the man. Yep. Yes, he is. He is the man. He uh, sent me a message on the PlayStation Network the other day, which I was highly appreciative of. He told me I was awesome, which I know, Sean. Thank you. I, I need that kind of ego stroking occasionally, but no. No, all joking aside, That's what though, she said. <laughs> We've actually Sorry. begged for an interview because we were so inspired by the OTC interview on, on HorrorCommentary.com. So we begged, and uh, we put the word out, and it looks like we're going to get one. So Hey, standing on the shoulders of giants. Yep. You guys always you are mental midgets. Whatever OTC does, I plan on doing. So that's fine. We're gonna do a Shinfo show next week. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get it out before we get ours out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but no, uh, yeah, Sean is great, and uh, no, I haven't. Uh, I, actually, that's one of those few films I have never seen. Is Black Moon Rising? I've never got around to it. I've always meant to watch it because uh, good actors in that film and written by John Carpenter. I don't know why I haven't seen it, but I just never have gotten around to it. Any either one of you guys seen it? Uh, really? I have not, and I want to see it because, like you said, it's got a great cast, and it's written by one of my all-time, well, maybe, yeah, probably one of my top three or four favorite directors, so I'd be really keen on seeing that at some point, um, so I would be, yeah, I'd be down for covering that. Do awesome. it. I've actually seen it. It's been a long, long time, probably 10, 15 years. I must have seen that when I was like, I don't know, 13 or 14 years old. It's, it's from what I remember of it, I remember enjoying it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to come up with a real good review for you, right? but mm-hmm. it definitely is. I remember it having a very kind of strange feel to it because it's kind of like a, if I remember properly, and I'm sure I'll be off a little bit, but it's kind of got like a sci, it's like more of a sci-fi type deal with, and I remember the car. Yeah, I remember the I'm car sure. and uh, I saw a trailer. I think there's a trailer out there, a pretty good one, and I remember the car is featured pretty prominently, and I don't know why I never yeah. saw it because I loved car movies when I was a kid, so... Yeah, I'm hard-pressed to remember a whole lot past that, but I do remember enjoying it. 
definitely have to look into that and check it out. So there's a there's a show right there, Emperor of the North Pole and Black Moon Rising. <laughs> yeah, damn right. And I'm surprised you hadn't seen this, Sammy. I thought for sure you would have because of the car. Well, you know, I could I could have took the easy way out and said I had seen it and then said, you know, I don't remember anything about it. Not saying that's what Bill did, but I'm just saying I could have done that. But I, 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 I got to be honest with the, uh, the listeners out there. I have not seen it, and I am ashamed, and I do need to check it out. <laughs> As do I. Not not me. I'm full of shit, and I'll lie to everybody. <laughs> no, I have. I really have. I have seen it, but like I said, it's been such a long time. Yeah, it's All a right. Film. So I'll play the next voicemail here. Another one, interesting voicemail from the doc. Uh, I'll won't say too many words. I'll just play. <laughs> Hi, gentlemen. This is big fan Dr. J calling back with uh, my daughter. KK. And we're calling back with another review of a movie that we've seen for you, giving us a kid's perspective. We just finished Heroes of the East, and nice. KK wanted to tell you what she thought of it. So go ahead. I liked it enough to watch it twice. Yeah, you've already you woke up this morning wanting to watch it watch it again after seeing it last night, huh? Mm-hmm. What was special about this movie for you? I like that there's a strong girl fighter. Okay. That's all, always important when you're raising daughters to have strong female characters, especially in genre films. What else was uh, special about this movie for you? That I got to see some different martial arts from China and Japan. That was terrific. I thought that that was outstanding to get to see all the different uh, styles matched up against each other. So, um... What did you not like about this movie? I liked the whole thing. Yeah, there was nothing you thought was bad about it. So what was your most valuable thing in the movie? That there's a lot of martial arts. That there's and a lot of martial arts. Mm-hmm. What else? I like that there's also a strong girl fighter. I think that's, that's, that's what made the movie for you was the character of Kuda. And then what was your make-or-break scene in the movie? I liked when Kuda smashed the wall and the statues when she was practicing. <laughs> that was pretty cool. And uh, was there anything else, that you, any other make-or-break scenes you thought were good? I also liked when Atu learned how to do the drunken kung fu. The drunken kung fu scene. What did you like about that? That when he went to fight, they asked if he was drinking wine. <laughs> what did he say? He was like, have you been drinking wine? Yeah. And then, uh, okay, so overall, how many points out of ten would you give this movie? I would give it nine and a half points. Nine and a half points, so nearly a perfect movie for you. Very good, and from a parent's point of view, I wanted to give a little guidance. Um, Other than some well-choreographed violence that was not um, over-the-top, more um, stylized kung fu and comic booky type violence, and a little bit of teasing with an open kimono at the beginning of the movie, but no nudity. This was a highly kid-appropriate movie. So, gentlemen, another daddy-daughter review of a uh, genre film for you. We thank you very much for letting us be on your show. Thanks, thanks, Sam Ryan, Big Willie. Yeah, thank you, guys. We'll be calling back in a, when we come across another film to review. All right. There we go. So now I feel like a jerk. <laughs> what? <laughs> I come on your show, 
start dropping f bombs. Uh, sound clips about dudes being balling women and massive erections, and then and then you guys throw that in my face. It's like, oh, we got the little girl calling in with her dad to give you a review of a kid friendly movie. Bill, you're an asshole. You know what? Don't feel so bad because uh, we had asked the doc, and KK doesn't listen to the whole episode. Yeah, uh, thankfully. So the the dick and. Uh, poop the dick. And... No, no, In that no, no, case. no. Well, the dick jokes. There, that was a, t- a Shatner pause that I shouldn't have done. The dick and poop jokes and <laughs> and the whisker biscuits can all stay, especially the whisker biscuits. Yeah, I'm Bullshit. sure. I'm sure the doc enjoys uh, the banter and stuff. Uh, I think he only lets her hear the uh, voicemails and things like that. But no, we really do love it when she calls in because we found, and I think we said this last week, we found that, oddly enough, a lot of the films, which we never thought was going to be possible, that we've covered, could actually be watched by children. Uh, you know, Willie and I are actually bigger bigger fans of the heavy stuff, as similar to what, you know, Bill and Ryan and uh, F-13 and DZ are, but we've come to find that we've done uh, at least three or four shows now where we've had a kid-friendly film, and we never even, even thought of that angle. I mean, never even crossed our minds. Yeah, well, Roller Boogie would be a perfect movie for a little, for a little kid to watch. Yeah, there's not there's no swearing. There's the violence is next to nothing. Yeah, except when it's, Franklin gets good. his nose broken, the worst on screen punch of all time. <laughs> and there is a scene <laughs> well, where there is a thong. scene where he's running around with a thong on. So, yeah, <laughs> good point. I no, would say too. I know, I know the doc's always looking for good for good stuff to watch with his daughter. Um, I don't know whether, and whether anyone's ever brought up to him to check out the Yokai Monster movies. Uh, that's a good, uh, a very, very good uh, mention, Bill. Because uh, Great Yokai, I think it's the Great, is it the Great Yokai War? Uh, very oddly, uh, the Child's film by Takeshi Miike is a great, great film um, to watch with a, a child. Uh, that's a good one. I never thought to bring that up to them. Yeah, the whole. I think she, if she, I know Doc is into uh, Godzilla films. I don't know whether whether KK is or not, but the Yokai Monster movies, the original, I think was it was it four. I think there was four original ones that are all pretty kid friendly. Uh, I want to say they're not necessarily geared for children, but they're not over the top. So they're no worse than any Godzilla films or anything like that. Those, are, if she's into Godzilla, or even you know for the doc, if he's into Godzilla films, the Yokai Monster movies would be something he might definitely want to check out. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And it's not Gozu or uh, Dead or Alive or any of the other. Media oh God, films. no. God, no. It's it's a lot, lot more appropriate. And, uh, are you trying to say that you trying to say that audition wouldn't be a good one to sit down and watch? Uh, it would be up until no, actually, it wouldn't even be up until kitty, 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 kitty. No, uh, there we go. Yeah. That's uh, that is one. Of the I don't most know. Disturbing. I sit down, I sit down with little kids all the time and watch like Visitor Q, nice. Nietzsche the Killer. Those movies are definitely you know child friendly. Mm, Why wouldn't you? Yes. I mean, seeing seeing a man eat his own vomit after you know in a burlap sack is uh, the feel good moment of the year for the whole family. I think you should sit down and watch Salo with her. Yeah, oh, why not? Uh, mm. <laughs> I wow. can give you 150 reasons why not. Mm. Yes, man. Yeah, yes. or yeah. maybe some of the cannibal films. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. No, in all seriousness, Doc. Perhaps don't August <laughs> Underground. You would enjoy August Underground. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> Doc, in all seriousness, uh, yeah. You know, we joke and uh, or we jest, as they like to say. Uh, but uh, it is great that she calls in. I remember when I was young, I loved watching uh, genre cinema with, like I say, my mother, and uh, we watched harder stuff than. Uh, you probably like KK watch, but uh, you know, teach their own. You know, if you, I've always felt that way. You know, if a parent feels like their child is strong enough to watch certain kinds of cinema, I know Bill and I, and I'm I'm pretty much assuming that Willie as well. We all grew up watching stuff we probably shouldn't have grown up watching. Yeah, but without a doubt. 
But uh, there's nothing wrong with us other than the fact that we sit in a computer room and talk into a microphone about uh, a movie with Stallone wearing hairspray. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing, too, is that, you know, I think it really depends on the, on the child. I think it yeah. sounds like the doc is setting her up to be a great movie fan. Oh, yeah. And she already sounds like she's really into it, too. You know, it's not just kind of like, hey, you know, honey, you should, you should watch this. She sounds like she is seriously interested in watching these films. And she's retaining a lot of knowledge from them. Yeah, she watched she, uh, Heroes of the East twice. That's awesome. That is <laughs> Unbelievable. awesome. Unbelievable. It's it's just remarkable that at her age, she. I was talking about this with Sammy off the air, Bill, that she sort of uh, understood a lot of the, the the um, not the morals. I guess the themes or the morals uh, in a lot a lot of these films she's watched. That's way beyond what the the comprehension should be of a kid her age. So, I mean, she's yeah, she's going to be a force to be reckoned with in a few years. Excellent. Top notch. Yep. All right. Uh, with that being said, uh, I'll play this. episode riding off into the sunset on our harley davidson with a danish chick on the back that's nice <laughs> hands around our waist <laughs> yeah very long hands and long arms by the way yes creepy <laughs> <laughs> she's got big hands what does that say uh, oh that's what she said <laughs> what wait that one didn't work at all sorry <laughs> all right so another episode is coming gone uh episode nine uh bill did you enjoy coming in uh coming into our little domain uh, no, I had a terrible time. I've been miserable for the last two, two and a half, some odd hours. Uh, that's a relief, and, uh, man, because we felt the same way about you, so that's a, it's a good thing. Yes. Actually, we're on the same page. No, in all, in all, in all seriousness, I mean, I love you guys. We've all been friends for a while now, and uh, I had a great time. Talking movies with you guys is a really good time because it's a different, a different dynamic than when we meet Ryan and I go over stuff. So it's, uh, I had a good time, and uh, hopefully you'll invite me back again at some point. Oh, most oh, definitely. Yeah, we I'm, definitely I'm glad will. I got to finally do a show with you, Bill. <laughs> oh, yeah, because you haven't been able to get on our show yet. No, hopefully soon. Well, how about December 28th? How about it? Yeah, you're going to have to plan that one out. That's the uh, end-of-the-year spectacular. The extravaganza! <laughs> Top-notch show of the year! If you listen to OTC, you guys might know what this is. There we go. <laughs> yeah. It's the pen on a lot of a microphone. This is the pen on the microphone. Now we're in Cambridge. We're in Cambridge. <laughs> Podcasting from Cambridge. <laughs> anyway, uh, that being said, guys, make sure to head over to popsyndicate.com. Join up on the forums over there. Uh, be a part of our community. Uh, a lot of great friendships built over there. I never would have met Bill. I never would have met Willie if it wasn't for uh, Pop Syndicate. So I that, let that be. I mean, if you just listen to the show, you either appreciate that or you're like, oh, God, I don't want to meet anybody like that. So. God bless the internet. <laughs> yep. God bless the internet. Uh, we do want to mention what we boobs. will be covering uh, the next two weeks. Uh, we're going to go ahead and do our listener content show next week, which will be Turkish Star Wars, which actually has a title, but I don't know the title of it. Uh, we'll just call I. it Turkish Star Wars. And yeah. uh, I think it's called something like First, no, not First Blood. But it's something wacky. <laughs> but, For, uh, Turkish First Blood. <laughs> yeah, Turkish First Blood. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and also the other film Red cho- uh, chose was Deadbeat at Dawn, so we'll be covering those two films. The week following, we got something new for you guys, uh, something different for us. We're going to be covering a uh, spaghetti western. We're going to go back to that genre that I love so much. Uh, 
and be covering Sergio Corbucci's The Great Silence, uh, which a lot of people have mentioned on a lot of other shows. Uh, it might be one of it's one of the top five great spaghetti westerns. So we're definitely going to be covering that uh, two weeks from now. And with the other announcement, I'm going to let Will mention what we are going to be covering. Yes, it is my privilege and my honor uh, to let you guys know that we're going to be covering the Swedish uh, one of the two, pretty much one of the two biggest buzz horror films of the year uh, in Let the Right One In. Um, it's screening Ooh. here, so we are going to be checking it out and giving you guys a review. So. The reason we mention that is if any of you guys are encouraged to see it, look it up online, see if it's playing in your cities, so you can call in a review of it uh, you know, two episodes from now uh, to coincide with our lengthy reviews. It is excellent. It's actually playing in Boston. I saw it on uh, Friday evening, and you guys are definitely in for a treat. It's, uh, it's, pretty, uh, some, it's something special. I have a feeling it might wait. come up on December 28th. Ooh! Ooh! Well, yeah. the outside the cinema here at review extravaganza. Yeah, extreme. It's love on wheels. Oh wait a minute, that was roller boogie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, yeah, with that being said, guys, make sure to check out. <laughs> make, make sure to check out our uh, sister shows, like say OTC, NCD. Make sure to check out Andy's show and all the other pop syndicate shows, the Chin Stroker versus Punter guys, and. I can't remember anybody else. I'm Mondo Movie. Head, so Don't forget Mondo Movie. Big Mondo Red Podcast. Movie. And with that being said, uh, we are out, guys. So adios. Adios. Later. Oh, yeah. Before I actually turn it off, make sure to uh, contact us at midnightcinema at gmail.com and our voicemail at 206-666-5207. Of course, we tell you to contact us, and then we don't say anything about it. Nice. Naturally shoot ourselves in the foot and then cry about it later. <laughs> yes. Later. All right. So I'll say it again. <laughs> adios. <laughs> adios. Later! <laughs>